you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. And welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, folks. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios, revamped here in uh, beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. I want to welcome all of our new listeners and, uh, of course, our, our longtime listeners. I want to say hello to you and everyone out there and uh, new viewers. Thank you so much. Folks, so we broadcast live Monday through Friday. 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Find us at HagmanandHagman.com. Bookmark that site from there. You can go anywhere. You can uh, catch our live feed. We're, of course, on Global Star Radio Network. And uh, if you want to watch us live, we're on YouTube Live. Live. It's uh, Just go right off of HagmanandHagman.com. And, of course, we have another website, HagmanReport.com, there. Uh, it's down for a little bit. We apologize. We uh, ran into a bandwidth issue, but uh, we've got that back up and running. But uh, there you can find uh, show prep news and information that normally, well, that uh, um, well, it's important news. So, uh, HagmanReport.com. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm Doug Hagman at the helm with fellow investigator researcher, and of course my son Joe Hagman together. Something I like to call the America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. We're investigators by profession, of course. Now tonight we've got a really great show for you. Uh, you, many people will recall, and in fact, since his last appearance, we have gotten emails saying, "Got to get John McTurnan on." Folks, we we've had him on before, and uh, just uh, always a crowd pleaser. Our our guest tonight is Mr. John McTurnan. His website, usaprophecy.com. We've got just, again, just a wonderful show for you lined up tonight. Now, tonight's nice broadcast brought to you by wholetoneslive.com. That's wholetoneslive.com. So we're, we, we've got the pleasure, the honor, the privilege of having John McTernan on tonight. I just want to mention this as well, folks. I, I was serious yesterday. We had uh, two uh, in-studio guests yesterday, Mr. Jack Cashel. And uh, uh, Mr. Nin Privatera, well, um, Jack Cashel, of course, his book coming out on July 5th, 
20 years this July, 20 years since the downing of TWA Flight 800. The things that that book... You 30 years. In the, 20 years, sir. 96. Oh, 96. Okay. Yeah. Did I say 86? I, if I did, I, I apologize. No, 1996, July 17th, 8.31 p.m., 12 minutes after takeoff, um, on just off the su- southern coast of New Jersey. The playbook for the current political environment and the geopolitics that served as a backdrop for that takedown exist today. But uh, Jack Cashel, really, uh, folks, what an incredible amount of information last night. And I would urge everyone to go to Amazon and pre-order his book, TWA, The the Crash, The Cover-Up, and The Conspiracy by Jack Cashel. Joe, welcome tonight. It's great to be here tonight. A uh, quick announcement before we get to our guest tonight. We're going to have John McTiernan on with us for the first two hours. Then Chance from American Survival Wholesale will be joining us in the third hour, top of the third hour, to talk about bug-out bags and what's in yours? Yeah, what's in your bug out bag? Have you thought of it? About it? And it, you know, if you if you've got a go bag, yeah. Do you have a go bag in your car? Do you have a go bag at the ready? I make my wife hold it all yeah. the time. I mean, but, uh, with us, it, it, it's like a nuclear, you know, the nuclear <laughs> football. We're going to be talking yeah. about what we need, what you need to have inside your bug out bag, and uh, different different practical applications and and uh, uses of things that you can put in your go bug out bag that uh, you normally wouldn't think of. <laughs> and then tomorrow we have Dr. Ted Brewer, who will be joining us for the whole show. Yes. Just want to say a thank you to everybody out there who uh, said prayers for his son, Austin. Uh, he is continuing to recover. And Friday, Steve Quayle. And Sig Swanstrom. No, yep. He's the author of God. Talking Point. about uh, self-defense right. through a biblical perspective. Yep. But tonight, we're talking about spiritual blindness in America with John McTiernan. John, it's great to have you, sir. Yes, thank you. I'm delighted to be on your show and delighted to be able to share information with your listeners. And by the way, you were talking about uh, Flight TWA uh, 800? That's correct, sir. Yes. Yeah, that uh, came down off Long Island. Right. Yes, yeah, two, and, 230 uh, people aboard. Yeah, 230 right. people aboard uh, July 17th, 1996, um, 8.31 p.m., 12 miles south of the of East uh, Mauritius, New York, off of Long Island. Right, and, that's uh, right. Just cover up. Uh, yeah. I'm from New York originally, from Long Island, New York, and I lived in, it's called Santa Mauritius. You've got East Mauritius and Santa Mauritius. And I lived in Santa Mauritius, and I, I had moved when that plane went down, but I had plenty of uh, friends there, uh, and um, one of them was a fisherman. There's, they fish off Long Island there. And he saw the whole thing, and he saw the missile come up from the water and bring the plane down, and the FBI told him, no, it was the opposite. They right. said, no, no, you saw it wrong. It was the opposite. And there was several people there uh, that I knew that uh, saw the missile come up from the water and bring the plane down. And the well, FBI it, told them all, all the same thing. You, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. Just I didn't know that you were no. going to mention that. And I happen to have some, like I won't say direct knowledge, but I spoke directly to people who were eyewitnesses because they were friends of mine. 
Well, it's interesting you say that because despite the fact that the book is already written and will be available for pre-sale and uh, uh, Jack Cashel, his investigation is pretty much done, uh, anyone that, uh, you know, we're we're double and triple checking uh, not the sources but but the new sources. So even though the FBI might have interviewed him, I I think Jack has has gone through all of the 302s, several hundred of them, and uh, even the 256, and you might have even gone through or spoken to your friend. But the thing about this is, is the the cover up and the conspiracy with respect to the cover up. The 302s representing what that is is a uh, investigative document. Uh, and John, I know you know this, but but folks, uh, when you're interviewed by a th- uh, by, by the FBI, a 302 page is generated, and what that is is a summary, detailed summary of the interview. And uh, what we found, or what Jack found out, and I learned this myself before, is that many of the 302s were changed to reflect a, a narrative more closely resembling that of a mid-air explosion and no missile. So I, I would wager, um, if I was a betting man, that your friend's 302 has been changed or discounted completely. Um, so, you know, it, it might be a, it might be interesting if you would contact Mr. Cashel. Uh, you know, it's at some point in the near future because that's really, it's, it's really something in, in that environment, you know, I got to tell you, Mr. McTurnan, uh, the, the environment that, that was then, that was existing back then, 20 years ago, it's like that today. In the same players, basically. Some new players, different, uh, different set of circumstances, but lies every day. We can't, it's, it's sad we can't trust our government. It's it's so bad now that almost any conspiracy theory is believable. You know, you, you can't <laughs> yeah. discount any conspiracy theory now because the lies, the deception, the um, misinformation—it's uh, all—it's so readily. It's a, it's it's like Pravda from uh, from the old Soviet Union. Um, so yeah, it, it's a sad state when you cut. In fact, what happens is the. The government, especially on the federal level, loses all respect uh, with the people. Is because you can only lie so much, and then we then we catch on with it. Then you've got no credibility. That's right. Yeah, it, it's it, it's sad when we see this happen. And you know, people ask, well, how can how can a cover up of that magnitude possibly take place? Well, it, it only takes a few at, at, at certain choke points, and that's what the consolidation of of power is all about. You know, when you when you Consolidate power under, for example, the uh, Department of Homeland Security. You can you can really um, you can you can control the information outgoing and incoming, as well as um, well you know well for whatever whatever purpose that uh, they want to do. So and, and I see that taking place right now. And, and you know we were talking before the show. And folks, uh, our guest website today, John McTernan, USA Prophecy. Dot com. That's usaprophecy.com. Bookmark that website, and there's a lot of information there at usaprophecy.com. Much information, and you can see it on the screen if you're watching this live. But, but, but John, that's the environment we live in today, this, this uh, murkiness of information where, I mean, Islam here in America, the, the news doesn't even report the, the brutal assault of a five-year-old Idaho girl we talked about this in our program. We changed the narrative on on all of the the Islamic attacks 
Obama can't even utter the words Islamic terrorism. Yeah. So, to you. Uh, I happen to just pick up on what you're talking about in Idaho, and I don't know if you shared that with your listeners or not. Uh, have you shared that with your listeners? Yes, we have. And for those that might not be aware, there were three refugees, illegal immigrants, that raped. Yeah, don't a don't you dare say refugees. Old, okay, immigrants that raped a five-year-old special needs girl, and this was a horrific crime that occurred on June second in Idaho. Yeah, and there was an eyewitness, um, an elderly woman uh, that uh, came upon this. And she called the police, and then from what I understand, the police and the uh, district attorney all were denying that anything happened. Is that correct? And, and then there was a public outcry about it, and then all of a sudden they admitted what happened, and they won't talk about it. And it's, yeah, what we have to be very careful of, is that my accurate with that, Doug? You've got, yeah, you, you, essentially, yes. Now, um, we have we have actually the... Uh, uh, the actual story here. Let me let me put this were, up here. There were two boys arrested. Um, the the head was the thirteen year old. Thirteen year old. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, they say that um, much of what occurred on the June second incident is unclear, clouded by emotion and rumor, and sealed from public record due to the suspect's age or ages. Uh, it goes on to say the public meeting Friday. Dozens of residents of the city's forty-four thousand voiced their concerns after word had spread that a young Syrian refugee, young Syrian refugees, had gang raped a little girl at knife point, defiling her in unspeakable ways. Uh, yeah, some of what yeah, they heard yeah. was true, <clears throat> and some was not. And well, still more remains unconfirmed speculation, but authorities believe something terrible occurred. Two boys were arrested well, and remain in custody. But you've got an 8, 10, and 13-year-old with the oldest boy directing the assault. I don't know. John, I'm not sure. Um, I, I do believe all three were arrested despite that report. You had a vague report on KMVT out of uh, uh, Idaho. But many of the much of the social media, we're not we're not we're not getting the news from the social media, John. Um, where people are there, now I know you got to be careful, and I know we have to be careful because a lot of the facts are misrepresented. But even so, for this government and the media to be, for this government not to give Americans Americans the facts mm-hmm. uh, of a crime that took place because of the alleged uh, you know sensibilities to or. or Sensitivities, rather, to, to Islam. We don't want to make it look specifically bad. the administrations. Yeah, yeah. And, and for the media to be complicit, it is a shame. It is shameful, and shame on every every reporter that goes along with this. Shame on the Bill O'Reillys of the world and the people that don't speak up over this. Now I'm really getting hacked off here. There's a property manager uh, who rented the property to the illegal immigrants. Who has evicted them? Illegal aliens, man. Illegal they're, they're not aliens. immigrants. Come over here. Same difference. I just get, but we, but they're cha- see, they're changing our language. They're changing our language. It's a Tavistockian thing, from the Tavistock Institute. We're looking at the big picture. They're getting us, even us. We're we're falling into a trap, and and we're saying, uh, well, you know, these undocumented workers. No, pretty soon they're going to be just just pretty people with uh, daisies and and lipstick. I don't know, but you know what. I'm really sick and tired of the language changes, and, and we're all falling for it. We're, we're prisoners to 140 characters, and John, I'm ranting. I'm going to let you go on, so take it from uh-huh. here and well, save me from a stroke. Okay. That was a, a good lead-in to what I wanted to uh, speak about. Uh, 
And I want to. Uh, what I want to do is uh, share about what I call a delusion that is uh, actually it's more than it's more than one delusion. We'll say delusions that are spreading over America that's becoming frightening. Um, and uh, I'll give you some scriptures in a little while to show you that uh, that this is a judgment from God. But I ha- I happen to have um, debated and interacted with hundreds and hundreds of Muslims, and I've learned Islam from them. Uh, I haven't re- I, I did read some books about Islam, but I've learned Islam from the Muslims. And what's in play here, and this is amazing, is uh, Shira law. Uh, un- under this law, you cannot speak bad about Islam. You cannot speak bad about Muhammad. It's like a death penalty. The infidels, um, for example, if uh, a Muslim commits a crime against a Christian, they really have no rights, the Christians, and it takes like uh, four Christians to um, bring charges or, or try to prove charges against the Muslim. And all the Muslims have to say is, I didn't do it, and that's the end of it. I mean, the whole system is rigged for Islam against everybody else. They rule with fear. Um, the people have to pay, non-Christians have to pay what's called a jizra. That's a tax. And it's 25% on top of, uh, a minimum of 25% on top of everything else. So if the average person in an Islamic society pays 25%, the Christians pay 50 on up because they can be extorted. So what I'm what I'm driving at to tell you is that the West, us, now in America, but uh, really focusing on Europe, we have willfully put ourselves under Sharia law. I mean, Islam is not in control of America yet. <laughs> if Obama gets his way, it will be. Uh, Islam is making tr- striving for tremendous inroads in Europe, and uh, Europe is starting to crumble, it's starting to break in many areas because of this it's not immigration into Europe it's an invasion but if you notice like we'll take um, in Europe now with this uh, invasion of the Muslims how there's tremendous outbreaks of rapes Uh, Sweden is becoming either the rape capital of the world or of Europe I'm not sure which one but it went from virtually no rapes 20 years ago to being at least the rape capital of Europe so what do they do, and, and, and what do they do in Germany with this tremendous outbreak of rapes and molesting women? They tell women, oh, you've got to cover up. That's what they would tell. Merkel and others said that. It's not like confronting the Muslims from what they're doing and, and right. exposing them, because under Islam, the kufr, that is unbelievers. That's, well, that's the title they have for us, unbelieving uh, women have no rights. They have, they have no rights. The, the men can dominate them. I, I have uh, friends in, in uh, Islamic countries, and y- your wife just can't walk out of the house and walk down the street and go shopping. N- not if she's a Christian in an, in an Islamic atmosphere like that. You have to go with her. You know, uh, uh, your, 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 her father may go with her. Others may go with her. You've got to plan things out. Um, this, because she is an unbeliever, and become fair game uh, for, for uh, Muslim men. 
And it, <laughs> it, there was just a case I read the other day in Egypt where some young girl, a Christian girl, was out, disappeared. Um, they either rape them or what they'll do is they'll sell them off to marriage for some Muslim man and she can never, uh, how does she get away? You know, they take her three, four hundred miles away. And there was a video where they, this, this young girl, she's about 13 or 14, she was confessing Mohammed as her prophet now. She had converted to Islam. That's after being kidnapped and probably raped. And it was on YouTube, it was circulating along, uh, uh, on YouTube. So I said all that to say this, that, um, Doug, what's happening is like in, in um, Idaho, there's something in the atmosphere that's driving the people in the West to protect Islam. To, well, exactly. we don't want to offend them. We don't want to offend the Muslims. We don't. What, what a, well, the homosexuals, the, the blaming guns and blaming Trump and, and, and the right wing conservatives and Christians for what happened in Orlando. They're not blaming Islam. Why? I know, that's what I'm saying. This is a spirit, has, a delusion has come over America. It's so obvious to see. And it's like they love Islam. There is something. In, in, in deep inside people now, oh, you can't speak against Islam. You, do you remember, of course you remember San Bernardino. And uh, they, had, yeah. they were making bombs, remember? Part of oh, their oh, attack yeah. was... And yeah. neighbors, neighbors saw the bombs. And, well, we don't want to say anything because a woman, a woman across the street or next door, I, I didn't want to say anything because I thought I would be uh, anti... I thought I would be seen as bigoted anti-Muslim. I, I, I yeah, blew uh, my mind. Yeah. The FBI was investigating this guy, and co-workers were saying he was talking about, uh, excuse me, the Mateen there in uh, Orlando. And the FBI went to investigate it, and Mateen said, well, I told them that because they were making fun of me as a Muslim and all. So they believed him and stopped the investigation because, oh, well, these co-workers were bigoted against Muslims. Uh, this is mind-boggling, but do you, do you see the point I'm driving at? That yes. that we and the West have like are, are it's like Islam is above us now, just like we're in, in an Islamic country, and you can't speak bad against the Muslims. Uh, if if those three boys, um, if, if they were Muslims and they had raped a, a, a kufur girl in Egypt, let's say, well, they're protected, and she's at fault. And, you know, this is this is what is taking place now, uh, not to a lesser degree in America, well, I don't know, but to a great degree in Europe. They are willfully submitting themselves to Islam. Uh, that's right. And we have two issues here. I mean, John, um, the... In my in my view, by definition, and I've said this before, Islam is a cult. Now, we we've provided documentation, guess information to show how the West and, and how uh, well, I'm sorry, how Nazi Germany back during World War II um, weaponized Islam for for the purposes of the war. And there were even Muslim uh, Gestapo uh, uh, platoons, brigades, or whatever you want to call it. So you understand Husseini. Have you heard yes. of Hajj Hussaini? Yes, yes. He, he worked with the Final Solution 
to ext- right. he was the Mifti of Jerusalem. The Mifti means the exalted teacher. He was the Mifti of Jerusalem, and he he was working with the Nazis, and he was assisting them in the concentration camps with the extermination of the Jews. That's right. Yep. And, 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 and do you think yep. that that's presented today? Is that oh, mentioned no. today? You know, uh, there were Nazi SS divisions that were all Muslims from Bosnia. Exactly. That's right. And they fought at Stalingrad to the last man for That's the right. Nazis. Yep. But, yep. but there is something that is gripped. And, and I, I, could I, do you mind if I give you my, did I interrupt your train of thought? No, I just want to, just to, to, just to say that, that Islam being the cult that it is, and I just want to re- reaffirm this, uh, by definition, uh, is is a political system more than it is a religion. It poses as a religion. It, it, it's more than a religion. It's a comprehensive way of life. The Quran, Muhammad, his immediate followers, and generations of theologians prescribed many regulations governing every possible aspect of, of the Muslim social, political, economic, and religious life. And people need to understand this. And the women's rights, as you mentioned, women are unequal to men. Islam teaches that women are inferior to men. That's in Surah 2, 228, for those who want citations. Um, unequal to men in Surah 4, 11. Court witnesses, the witnesses of two women equals the witness of one man. You, If you're a woman in, in the Middle East and you said this, John, you get raped, well, you know what? They're going to, they are going to toss you in prison or, or, or execute you because, well, just because you're a woman. The status of a wife in relationship to her husband. That's addressed in Surah 314, 3, uh, 443, Surah 434, Surah 226, uh, Surah 2431, and 3359. And that, that's regarding her appearance in public and, and, and so on. I mean, we can go on and on and on and on. Sex and marriage. There's no equality whatsoever. So, and, and that's our UPS guy. So it has so, to do with right say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you and that's it and uh, exactly they write this books written by imams or religious scholars i don't know who it is but there's books written in islam on how to beat your wife and but yet don't break bones and uh leave a lot of bruises in other words pressure points apply pressure points uh if you're going to beat her not my disgust well, John, now I took you off your train of thought. Go ahead. <laughs> you did. Uh, so, thinking on this, uh, Doug, and I've I've spent a tremendous amount. Of, I spent quite a bit of time as I watch Islam like a uh, like a cancer invading the West, and why are they embracing it? The the politicians in Europe and the politicians here, Hillary Clinton, Obama, well, virtually the whole Democratic Party, virtually, uh, they embrace it, they love it, they coddle it, they promote it. You can't speak bad against it. And I think it's because they hate the God of the Bible. They rejected the God of the Bible. And they, yeah, because they rejected the God of the Bible, they hate Western culture. You notice that? You notice that uh, if you stop and think, the people that hate um, America seem to love Islam. Very well said. Very, and that bears repeating the people that. Say that again. The people that hate America, 
because we have a Christian culture, right. the God of the Bible. You know, it's imperfect, I admit that, but they they seem to love Islam, and I think that at the root, at the root of um, the hard, I call them the hard left, hard left reprobates, at mm-hmm. their very root and at the root of Islam is they hate the God of the Bible. And but, that's but, the unity. But, but John, isn't, isn't, and this is what I really want to ask you uh, as well, because, in of course, our guest tonight, John McTernan, uh, usaprophecy.com. Uh, isn't it ultimately the objective of those in power to to decapitate, to take away all three monotheistic religions, to create one state religion? But to do so, they've got to, uh, I mean, a, a big stumbling block, a big stone in the way is Christianity. Because Christianity... Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you don't see you know Christians, um, save a very few, calling for the deaths of homosexuals. You see Christian pastors saying it's wrong behavior, but again, except for a very few number in number, you don't see people calling for the deaths of homosexuals in, in the Christian faith. Those are the exceptions, but on the uh, the Muslim side, that's the rule. But see, they're going to blame yes, the is. Christians, you know. So so they got they, they got to take out Christianity. Or they're going to blame Christianity is, is to subvert our, well, in attempt to to take away our God, the God of the Bible, um, and to dilute our Christian faith, take away Jesus Christ out of the picture, take away the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob out of the picture. And this is what they're trying to do, in my view. Yes, and there's a verse from the Bible. Uh, I want to share. It's Isaiah sixty-six four. Uh, this is God speaking here through the prophet. I will now listen to this. I will choose their delusions. Man, that is heavy. I will choose their delusions, and I will bring their fears upon them, because when I called, none did answer. When I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes, and chose that which I delight not. So mm. if we're in rebellion against God, if a, and this would be like a, a culture and as, a, as a whole, um, we, we reject him, we turn our back on him. God says, I will choose their delusions. So he has delusions out there to fit people in. And it's a judgment. It, it, when, so people are being judged by putting in a delusion. And we being outside the delusion can see it clearly. I mean, uh, look at the delusions that are just engulfing our culture now. If a man wakes up in the morning and thinks he's a woman, well, then he's entitled to be a woman and shower with uh, at high school uh, some high school kid wakes up well I'm a girl today I'm going to go into the girls room and shower and that's a constitutional right and you're a bigot if you don't go along with it that's they're under a delusion I, these people actually believe it that are promoting it you know a homosexual marriage it's a, it's, it's a delusion there, there never was in history and I did extensive research, research on this. No culture, maybe at the closest, was at the end of Rome, right. uh, in the in the 450s, uh, 450 AD. Maybe they t- completely tolerated homosexuality, but they um, almost all cultures n- never uh, saw marriage between homosexuals as a bona fide marriage. Never. I mean, even you take.
take like atheistic cultures today, we'll say China, um, they don't recognize homosexuality. Uh, Hindus in India, they don't recognize homosexual marriage. Buddhists don't. They may be tolerant of homosexuality, but now we're in a, we, our culture is in this delusion where two men get together, that's a marriage. Yeah. Two well, it, it, it's ridiculous. It, it's not. It, it's certainly not. I mean, it's a, it, that is definitely an abomination. Well, and well, see, a, what I'm saying is it's broad spread in our society now. Islam is peaceful. And uh, it's not peaceful. I mean, just look out across the world. First of all, they're fighting each other. Uh, the Shiites and the Sunnis um, will... Uh, I expect a, a civil war any day between them, and they fought throughout history. And then you have India and Pakistan. Uh, it's a little calm right now, but they got nuclear weapons pointed at each other, and they want to fight over Kashmir. You've got Nigeria uh, with the Boko Haram, what they're doing. You've got constantly in Egypt, we hear about the Christians, the Coptic Christians, their churches being burnt, their women being raped, their businesses being burnt down. Then you've got them fighting the Jews with Israel. Uh, so, and you've got Syria. I don't know. You got them all fighting each other in Syria. So it's anything. And, and Doug, one other thing I just want to share: they say Islam is a peaceful religion. Well, let's look at at uh, Saudi Arabia. All right. Um, how can you? That's sort of like the epitome of Islam. Because you have Mecca there, you have Medina there, you know that they all make their Hajj. Come from the Muslims come from all over the world to come to Mecca and throw rocks at the devil there. So here we have Saudi Arabia. It's a it's like a religious sort of totalitarian, brutal state where if a woman is found in a car with someone other than her husband or father, she's subject to being beaten. And I don't mean lightly tapped. They have special instruments of uh, for being beaten over there. If you convert to the Lord, uh, it's a death sentence. And and I'm sure plenty have been killed there we don't know about, but some it, it got public and Saudi Arabia agreed to let them go to they, they were under a death sentence for conversion to the Lord, and Saudi Arabia allowed them to go to a foreign embassy and then leave the country. Um so you've got these religious, you got the religious police there. The women are absolutely, they can't drive a car. Um, they can't do anything. That's, is, is that a peaceful religion? How do you equate Islam where it rules, like in Saudi Arabia and Iran, in Pakistan, Egypt and all these areas, to a peaceful religion? How, how do you, only if you live under a delusion. And you're saying, John, just to be clear, that the delusion is God's judgment upon yes. the American people or upon the West, it's, actually. It's, Islam is God's judgment on the Western world now. All right. It's judgment. God is sending Islam into the Western world for judgment. Because we people, ask for it, right? I mean, yeah, it's right in front of their eyes. You know, for example, what, what the horrible thing just happened in Orlando. Right. Well, that wasn't real Islam. The guy is... Uh, hollering Allah Akbar, he's committed his life to uh, al-Baghdadi, the 
leader of the uh, ISIS movement to create a worldwide caliphate. Um, he's in that. He called nine one one and made his confession of to Islam and Allah Akbar and all. And people are saying this isn't real Islam. That's not that Muslims. Islam didn't do this. In fact, the um, uh, the uh, Lynch from uh, Department of Justice. Department of yep. Justice. Yep. Yeah. She said we may never know the cause of why Mateen did this. Well, See, he's saying Allah Akbar. Right. I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's not ignorance. That's not incompetence. That's an outright lie. That, that is a that, that is a, a, a dedicated lie by this regime and Lynch as one of the foot soldiers of Obama. You know, I was thinking about this. Five days, the fundamental change, okay, of America. Boy, has America changed fundamentally. I cannot, I mean, can you imagine two or three days in the, in the wake of 9-11? And look, those people who believe that, that Muslims are not involved in 9-11, uh, I don't know what to say to you, okay, but, but there was Islamic uh, fingerprints all over 9-11 and the attacks, okay? Now, other extraneous factors, sure. But Islam was at the epicenter of the attacks. Now, having said all of that, can you imagine a couple of days after 9-11 saying, hey, you know, uh, uh, what, uh, 15 years from now, we're going to have basically a Muslim-biased president or a Muslim president uh, by the name of Barack Hussein Obama just finishing up his second term and a Muslim director of the Central Intelligence Agency, John Brennan, many, many will say, well, there's no actual proof of him converting. Well, I suspect the preponderance of evidence would, would show he had converted. Um, also, the uh, the Islamic uh, element in the uh, DHS. All of this together. How do we lose? How do we lose this control? How do we lose the war? I mean, people would. I, I suspect I would have been punched in the mouth if I would have said that, especially to a cop down at the uh, ground zero. But here we are. And, and people are just sucking this up and loving it. In the in the in the homosexual community, really, guns are to blame. Trump is to blame. Republicans, Christian conservatives are to blame. Christianity is to blame. Huh. Okay. Well, that's why I'm saying there's something about Islam. There's something about it. It's it's like it's like cast a spell over the people and. Um, why? Why is it? Why are they acting like this? From Isaiah 66.4, and later I'll share from Second Thessalonians, that uh, this is judgment on America. We are seeing, um, like, uh, well, of course it's, it's invisible, but we're seeing God's divine judgment. Uh, and it's much stronger in Europe than it is here, although it's fastly catching up here. But we're seeing God's divine hand of judgment on the Western world and in America uh, for rejecting him and the things we're doing, which the Bible talks about judgment for, the wholesale killing of our babies. And we've killed 60 million Amer uh, babies in America now. Uh, the West, Europe, and Obama are trying to interfere with God's pr prophetic plan for Israel. The Bible is mocked now and uh, rejected. So if we don't want the Lord, uh, he's saying, okay, I'm going to pull back my protection. I'm going to pull back, uh, I'm going to remove my Holy Spirit. And what's going to flood in the void is Islam. 
and you're going to get a full dose of Allah. You don't want me, you're going to get Allah. That's what I see happening, though. Yeah, we see that happening now. John, in the next hour, we still got about 15 minutes before the break, but I want to talk to you specifically about the two-state solution, what's been happening with the Western world, not only the U.N. and the United States, but also what they were doing in Paris a few weeks back, trying to broker a Palestinian-Israeli two-state solution, in which Paris saw one of the worst days of flooding in their in recent history. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and then get into the, very the elections. Day, the very there. day yeah. they had the meeting, uh, yeah. the the city had its maybe the worst flood in modern history. Uh, but yeah, so um, there's so many delusions coming uh, over the American people now. Um, it, it, it's like we're not living we we we're not living in reality anymore. And if you if you bring the people, if you expose their delusion, they get angry with you. I mean, they really get angry. You're a bigot. You're a homophobe. You're this. You're that. I mean, if if you tell someone, and I've seen it in their faces, that because a man thinks he's a woman doesn't mean he's a woman. <laughs> uh, you know, if I think I'm a, a, a pit bull... That doesn't make me a pit bull. I hope someone agrees with me with that. <laughs> Definitely agree with you. Well, you know, sure. they're, they're taking it a There's step reality further. outside of what we think. You know, I can I can believe all sorts of lies in my head and fantasies. I mean, we're starting to like make uh, people that have um, deranged mentality. We're starting to say that they're normal, and if you say anything against them, you're you're an evil. Um, narrow-minded uh, transgendered folk or something and they're trying to silence us of course I mean, these are serious this delusion is serious now the mayor in new york what was it a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine they want to impose on what is it companies that work with the city in this if you don't use the right gender like if, yeah. a, if a man thinks he's a woman and you call him sir or mr you can be fined two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And there's thirty-one genders, thirty-one gender identities. I according say. according to New York the City. state, the city of New York. That's correct in the state of New York. Uh, but two hundred fifty thousand uh, yeah. dollar fine. Yeah. For addressing someone in the in the wrong gender. Or of, actually offending someone. Uh, yes, offending by addressing, uh, and the lexicon has changed. I, I mean, who, who? See again, this goes back to this programming of the language, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, this is a huge deal, folks. I mean, uh, but but at the root of it, you're you're correct. A strong delusion has been sent over America and the West, and we are seeing it. In my view. And you know what? I don't think that there is a presidential candidate or a politician or anyone in power that will be able to save America from its delusion because the change has got to be, in my view anyway, from the bottom up. We need to repent, yes. get on our knees, pray. Yes. And, and you know what? Yes. Because one person is not, I don't care whether it's Donald Trump or whether it's, uh, uh, hey, George Washington, could, could, they could dig him back up, bring him to life, and, you know, he, he, he's not going to fix this, okay? So no, because the base here is the, there's no base for it. You have no. to have a base in society for the government above it. You follow right. me? So we could talk about democracy and everything you want, and you try impose that on Iraq, it's not going to work. 
it is just not going to work. We tried that. Yeah. We tried it. We tried it in Afghanistan. They have a yeah. they have a tribal culture with strong men, and this idea of well democracy and everybody is going to get along and vote in and it just doesn't work. No, it doesn't work. You have to have a base for it. So the base for America was people self-govern themselves. You didn't need a totalitarian government to keep people in line. You remember like in uh, in Europe there, uh, you had, um, back in the 50s and 60s, you had Tito from Yugoslavia, it was called Yugoslavia. Yeah. And as sure. soon as he died, it all broke up. You had Serbia and Bosnia and all, and they were fighting and killing each other. Well, as long as you had Tito there, um, you could keep everything in line. The same thing with Iraq. As long as you had Saddam Hussein there. Now, look, I'm not saying they're good guys and I'm agreeing with them or anything, but Saddam Hussein was a uh, was a tyrant. If you got out of line, uh, you got killed. But if you stayed in line, there was a certain amount of freedom there. Uh, so that's that's what happened. The strong man died, and Iraq is the way it is now. Oh, I, I, the I, I, same I, thing. Wait a second, John, because I, I can see the emails flooding in saying, well, no, you know, you're favoring these dictators no. like Tito. No, no, that's no, right. No. But, but, no. but see, and, and, and John, I just, again, what did, I mean, when you consider Bush and you consider Obama, what they did both in Iraq, Afghanistan, and, and one can argue perhaps rightfully or correctly saying, well, Obama pulled us out of Iraq. But, you know, each decision, whether it was Bush 41 or Bush 43 during Desert, Desert Storm or uh, the Iraqi War, respect, uh, respectively, or Obama in the pullout, each decision was made not on an indiscretion or a mistaken judgment or some sort of misintelligence, but made with well, a lie at, at its core. And that lie was passed on to the American people. And really, this this whole thing where we got here didn't start just this past week. It didn't start with Obama. It started, it began actually decades ago. But having said that, all of these decisions, John, I believe, are making the environment here in the West and in America exponentially worse than it ever was, more biased against Christianity, more favorable toward Islam, and the people are sucking it up and saying, oh, I love it. I love my servitude. I love this. Just give me more. And homosexuals, it's normal. Oh, it's all about equality. It's not about equality. It's about special rights that don't even exist. The lie is so huge. People are just so deluded. You're right, John. Yeah, and I want to make it clear, reinforcing what you said, I am not pro-Saddam Hussein or pro-Tito. I'm just saying when you have um, um, factions in a society like that that are diametrically opposed, like Serbia and Bosnia, only a strong man can hold it together. And when he's gone, then you end up with civil war and all the fighting. So that that's what I was saying. Uh, you can't yeah, exactly. you can't have democracy unless you have unity and self control. Well, this uh, guy, you don't, you that's have, right. Have to have a strong man. Our our constitution was 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 created for a strong and morally upright people. Yes, nothing less. I can't remember which the founding fathers wrote about that. Right, right. 
But there you have it. So, so what do we do about this? I mean, we got about seven minutes to the top of the hour. What do we do about this? Or, or where do we go from here in this conversation? Or, or in the larger sense, either one. I mean, what, what, what next? Uh, the only hope is um, uh, God moving mightily in our in our country. Now, there were, if you study in history. It was called the uh, the Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening. Uh, that happened in the 1740s. It started really in uh, 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 Connecticut. There was a preacher by the name, a very famous preacher, uh, Jonathan Edwards, and he preached the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of, the, of an Angry God, and it ignited a spiritual fire. And then Wesley was here, George Whit- Whit- Whitfield was here in America, and even secular historians will admit that the uh, the Great Awakening is what gave the Americans the, the, the faith in God generated by the Great Awakening gave the Americans the strength to endure through the revolution. And trust in God gave them the faith to beat the British. Now, you don't find that too much, but it's there. that um, they, Of course, modern scholars try to strip religion and things about the Lord out of everything. So if you read the modern scholars, um, Christianity didn't exist in 1776, you know? But um, uh, nonetheless, that's what was the backbone of the American Revolution, was the spiritual revolution that took place. There was a great revival, it was called the Revival of 1857, just before the Civil War, and that was attributed to giving um, the North. The, the revival did not hit the South. It hit the North. Uh, giving the North the, uh, so the strength to endure. You know. So we've had these great outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there was others, but I mentioned two particular ones. We need the same again, Doug. We, well, we yeah. need the same thing again, or we're going to be consumed here. Well, yeah, we're, exactly. uh, my great fear, well, my great concern is that America is going to careem into the French Revolution. Because they hate God. They are, it's not just that they're atheists out there and hard left now. They are militant. They hate us with a passion. They want to destroy. They want everything to do with God destroyed. So if we stand with him, uh, they want us destroyed. Uh, I've seen this grow in America. I'm... Not so much anymore, but a couple of years ago, I was bombarded by them on my blog and on Facebook. Um, the, 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 the hatred for God is palatable, and what generated the French Revolution? The, the hatred for God. And Paul McGuire, a frequent guest on our show, talks exactly about that. Yes, yes. God is, so, the God of the Bible is the ultimate target here. Uh, I mean, yes. but and, and the we're word in the of way. God, the Bible, and the God of the Bible. That's right, that's right. The Word of God, yes. And, and Steve Guello is on, a good friend, and, and yeah, he says the same thing, Pastor Langford. Right. I, I mean, they're gunning for Christians. They're gunning for the Word of God. They're gunning for the the name of Jesus. They're gunning for the the Holy Bible, the the, uh, um, the Christian Bible. And they're you know, that, John. That's why. And, and I, I I think you and I had this discussion. A day or two ago, I can't remember. I don't know. I, 
I'm suffering from some sort of mental disease, I think. I'm convinced of it. The older I get, the less I remember. But weren't you and I speaking about how in the world can 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 there be this seemingly peaceful coexistence between the homosexual community, especially those in Florida, and the Muslims? We did discuss that. And I've written extensively on that. Um, that it that had to break. That it was part of this delusion where Obama, uh, for example, just he runs to defend and promote homosexuality. He's done everything single-handedly he could do to promote and encourage uh, homosexuality, and at the same time Islam. But they're incompatible. The bottom line is, at the end of the day, they're incompatible. And there had to be a break somehow, some way, between the two. And I think what we're seeing now, what happened in Orlando, is showing what's coming. And you notice how Obama sided with the Muslims? I'm sorry, who sided with the Muslims? Obama, he sided with the Muslims, the homosexuals. John, for some reason, we just we lost you like in mid sentence there. So oh, okay, re- okay. So yeah, like, I said uh, the big yeah. the, the big clash now, now. Now all of a sudden, the homosexuals in great numbers got it. They got it with uh, what um, uh, the terrorists did, and he did it with Islam and what the ter- what the, what's going on in Islam under ISIS, for example. And the right. death sentence, there are 50, approximately 50 countries with a Muslim majority. 37 have laws, one degree or another, against homosexuality, and 10, it's the death penalty. And I, the Muslims got it now when they saw what happened. And Obama basically threw them under the bus. Oh, Islam had nothing to do with this. Islam had nothing. Oh, no, this wasn't Islam. Oh, no, this was guns. This was guns. Well, they saw that it was Islam. Islam was the driving force behind this. But 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 still, even though they they may have gotten it, I'm not sensing like enough of a of a do I dare call it a reasonable backlash or a reasonable indictment in the social sense of of Islam. I mean, are are, are we seeing? Oh, the the homosexuals. The community is uniting, and we are Orlando. I see that everywhere now. We are Orlando, but but are they uniting? Well, are, how are they uniting? I suppose more after the more after the network news here. We're talking with John McTiernan, yeah, yeah. USAProphecy.com. What a great website! His book, As America Has Done to Israel, one of of. Uh, a few books that he has written. Go to his website, usaprophecy.com. He'll be with us until uh, in the next hour, 45 minutes until the next hour, because he starts his own radio show at 9 p.m. Yeah, Eastern. That's right. We'll be right back with John. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 
you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our very special guest tonight, Mr. John McTurnan. Folks, visit usaprophecy.com. Visit usaprophecy.com. Bookmark that website. From there, all sorts of, of great information and great links. Um, that's usaprophecy.com. Our guest tonight, John McTurnan. And you know what? His book, what, a, what an amazing read as well. And I, I love books. Can you tell, folks? I mean, I'm talking about books all of the time. But in order for us to really understand where we're at, it, you can't depend on one radio show or two. You can't really depend on, on a headline on Drudge or a headline on whatever your favorite news site is. You've got to dig deep. And what John McTiernan has put together with As America Has Done to Israel, step by step, point by point, it's, it's, um, now he's a lawyer by profession, okay? John McTiernan, he's an attorney. So he approaches it, his writing, I mean, it resonates with me. It's a very good book, As America Has Done to Israel. Go to usaprophecy.com. Before we get back to John, I just want to mention to, to everyone in our listening audience, you know, I have just such a great night's sleep now because I've got a Casper mattress. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices. That's right. It's an award-winning sleep surface. It was developed in-house. It's got a very sleek design, and it is delivered in a small, hey, how did they do that, sized box. Now, in addition to the mattress, Casper also offers an adaptive pillow oh, and soft, breathable sheets. I, it makes me want to climb right in, right on top of my Casper mattress, put my head on their pillow, and cover myself with their breathable sheets. You know, the mattress industry has forced consumers into paying really high markups. I mean, go to, go to a store and look at them. Goodness, Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms no more 
You don't have to do that. And they pass the savings directly to you, the consumer, that you know we don't promote, endorse, talk about anything we don't use ourselves or believe in. This is something we do. The quality. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design sleeps cool to help you regulate your temperature all throughout the night. Mattresses can often, you know, go price them. They can cost well over $1,500, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin size. That's right, $500. And for a king, $950. In between, well, $850 for a queen, $600 for a twin, XL, if you have one of those. And again, 500 for a twin size. You can't beat the price. The convenience is, well, you can't beat the convenience. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. They offer free delivery. That's right, Casper offers free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress that you, that before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend... A third, think about that, a third of your life on it. Folks, the Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. It combines the springy latex and supportive memory foams to create this award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. Again, thinking about it makes me want to just crawl right in. Time Magazine, did you see it? They named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact... It's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. Free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. It's made in America, folks. That's the best part, too. Go to casper.com slash CFP radio. Okay? Now, now, look. Read the offers. Read the $50 toward any mattress purchase offer to Hagman and Hagman listeners. Go to caspermattress.com slash CFP radio. Again, casper.com slash CFP radio. That is casper.com slash CFP radio. And use our promo code CFP radio. They really make it easy for you, don't they? Casper.com slash CFP Radio, our promo code CFP Radio. Now, terms and conditions do apply, but folks, try it. Give it a try. We like it. We use it. It's in our house. That's Casper.com slash CFP Radio, promo code CFP Radio. John McTernan is just a fabulous guy. Now, radio show host and author. His book, his latest book, As Israel. Or, I'm sorry, as See, America has done to Israel. Yeah. And, folks, check out his website, usaprophecy.com. On there, he's got uh, a number of things you can do. Uh, you can check out his radio show. You can go to a section called Bible Teachings, which is very insightful and a great tool for uh, different uh, Bible teachings. He's got uh, his bookstore, as well as uh, contacting John, and let him know. You heard him on the Hagman and Hagman Report, if you like what you heard. And we're going to get into, in this hour with John, uh, the situation in the Middle East and the prophetic implications as well as the 
secular implications in what we see in with the Arab Spring and the complete destabilization of the Middle East through the Western policy. Let's uh, uh, let's start with Syria, John. Yeah, hang on. I just got to make a correction here. Uh, you said I was an attorney. So, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, no, 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 no. I I was a federal agent. I'm sorry. <laughs> See. Uh, uh, <laughs> pretty soon my wife's going to have to take me up back and just, just put me on my misery, shoot me, because what's wrong with me? You know, I, I'm looking at the book. During the break, I'm looking at the at the book, and, and it's just not from my eyes to my brain. It's not right. Yeah, sorry, you were a federal agent. Yeah, I was a federal agent for 26 years. Yeah, actually, during the break, we were talking about attorneys, so I'm sorry. Yeah, also, I thank you for mentioning my website. I'd like you, I'd like the listeners to... Um, I'd like them to know that I have a blog. It's called John. Actually, I have four blogs. The main one is John McTurnan's Insights, and uh, in it I keep them virtually daily on the cutting edge of what's going on prophetically and some other what's going on here in America, but really key information. So if they want to get a handle, especially on the Middle East, you could uh, follow my blog. Uh, you mentioned Syria. Um, well, the whole the, Syria is. Uh, it's impossible to follow. It is so convoluted. It is such a, a disaster. Uh, I follow it all the time, and I'm still not sure uh, what's going on there. Now, picture this. I, I, Doug, w- uh, were you aware last week that there was a sort of friendly dogfight over Syria with U.S. jets and Russian jets? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, and we... We haven't had much time since that occurred to talk about this, but yes, and, and, and you know what, John? We had told people, federal agent John, former, okay, not attorney. Um, we had we had told people since day one, when when uh, the whole Syrian debacle began, that we would be facing that the U.S. would be face, facing and battling Russian troops. We were doing it by proxy years ago. Now we're doing it um, more blatantly, head to head. And people laughed back then. Now maybe, well, now maybe they're paying more attention. But, yeah, explain. Go ahead, John, explain well, that. there's because various factions in there. There's al-Qaeda, who's fighting the Syrian government. There's ISIS that's fighting the Syrian government. But yet they will fight each other. ISIS and al-Qaeda will fight. Then they have uh, what they call like the Free Liber- uh, Syrian Army, and they're backed by us. And they're fighting the Syrian government. But the Russians and the Iranians and Hezbollah are backing the Syrian government. So the Russians are bombing um, positions of, of fighters that we're supporting. And we want to overthrow Assad. Now, I, I, th- this is bizarre. I mean... W- we overthrew Saddam Hussein and what happened? <laughs> Chaos. Al-Qaeda and, I mean, ISIS grew out of this. Hillary Clinton's baby was getting rid of uh, Muammar Gaddafi and what happened to Libya? So now they want to do the same thing with Syria. Now, I'm not saying Assad's a good guy or anything like that, but if Assad's brought down, it's going to become chaos and, and a group like ISIS is going to take over. Do you follow me on this, Doug? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how stupid can we be? And I know Assad's done terrible things, 
and his old man uh, attacked that um, that village there years back. I guess probably about thirty years ago now. Wiped them all out, like he, like just like um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Saddam Hussein did with the Kurds. Um, Basha Assad, um, his father. I can't think of the father's name right. It was Assad, his last name. They did the same thing. So Assad wants to destroy Israel. Every terrorist group in the Middle East at one time was headquartered in in uh, Damascus. Damascus was like, you know, the central headquarters for every terrorist group. Uh, right. He's a bad guy, but you know, so Gaddafi was a bad guy. As Hussein was, uh, uh, um, Hussein was a bad guy. But when you got rid of him, look what happened. Yeah. So yeah, but, but our policy is insane. Hafez was insane. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Saddam Hussein. So now we had a dogfight over Syria with our jets trying to block the Russian jets from attacking the rebels who we are supporting. That's getting right. real close to World War III, Doug. I mean, yep. this gets into uh, some sort of a shootout or planes collide uh, and all. Uh, you, you've got right now uh, the Russian military is set and ready to go. All they got to do is pull the trigger. Um, Putin's been working for about two years now, making the, uh, uh, well, first of all, under the radar, they rebuilt the Russian military. You know, it collapsed there in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, but he streamlined it. He's got a lean, mean fighting machine. They've got good equipment, good tanks. The Navy is good, small. It's somewhat uh, small. But it's a lean, mean fighting machine, and it's pointing right at the Ukraine, Poland, and Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia. Um, he's ready to go. His his army, in effect, is mobilized, ready to go. NATO now, in response, is doing the same thing. They're having all these war games and all. And the war games are like a, like almost on the Russian border right. <laughs> in Poland. They're happening right now as we speak. Uh, Putin says that um, he will. Uh, he's not backing down, and their doctrine is to use tactical nuclear weapons. Oh, yeah. uh, this is frightening. This is frightening, and we're provoking him in Syria. Um, and I, it's so, like I said, it's so convoluted, so complicated uh, that anything could trigger this. Uh, Turkey, you know, last year shot down that Russian plane, which Putin has not forgotten. He's not forgotten it. Um, there's been some dogfights between the Israeli planes and the Russian planes. And Israel told uh, the world that um, Hezbollah troops or uh, Iranian troops on the Golan Heights will not be tolerated. Israel will move to obliterate them. Now, to make this more complicated, uh, Hezbollah is Shiite. They're located in southern Lebanon. They were put in there by uh, Ayatollah Khomeini in late uh, 1970s when he came to power, specifically to have a front against Israel. Uh, Saddam um, Bashar Assad is um, he's his religion is a splinter group from Shiite Islam, so he's connected with um, uh, the Shiites, and then of course you have Iran who is Shiites. Turkey is Sunni, uh, Saudi Arabia is Sunni, and right now the battleground between them is in Iraq. 
the Shiite militia is fighting the the, the, Sun, the Sunni army, and the Shiites are backed by Iranian generals. And this is the frightening thing about this. Uh, uh, Iran wants to have a uh, trans-Middle East empire. They want to sort of reestablish the Persian Empire. And at the same time, Turkey wants to establish or reestablish the Ottoman Empire. You've got these empires here, these buddy empires butting up against each other. Right. So what, what Iran wants to do is Iran wants to take over northern Iraq, and then they would have a, a, a access directly into Syria, and then from Syria directly into Lebanon to the Mediterranean. That's what they want to do. And what's blocking them now is ISIS in Iraq. Isn't that amazing? ISIS is, in, in this sense, is kind of like um, doing us a favor right now. That's how convoluted it is there, because what happens is if Iran wins, and if the Iranian militia that are, are, the officers are like Iranian generals there, if they win, it will be probably all-out war with Israel, because Israel cannot allow the Iranian army to have free access to Syria and then build up, mobilize and build up and be ready to attack Israel. They can't allow it. Saudi Arabia can't allow it. Turkey can't allow it. So right now, when you hear fighting taking place in northern Iraq, when the Iraqi army is moving ISIS out of this area, well, right next to them is the Iranian, uh, the Shiite militia, um, which are um, manned by uh, Iranian generals. If they win, I, I, I think very shortly after it, we're going to see a horrific war in the Middle East. I mean, horrific. You know, John, I, I've, I've said from the beginning, World War III is going to start in Syria. World War III will start in Syria, not not anywhere else, but in Syria, and it's going to be it's going to pit the United States slash NATO against Russia, and eventually involve, I believe, China. Because China has economic and um, other interests in Syria as well. Russia has military interests in Syria and economic interests in Syria, um, with Syria. Iran, of course, is a proxy of Russia. Um, the bedfellows that exist well, in the Middle East are, are, yes, you're convoluted. You're right. Yeah, yeah I, I'm agreeing with you, except with a little different twist on it. Uh, there is no doubt that the war could start in Syria, no doubt. But Putin, that's not Putin's strong point. Putin's strong point is uh, Europe. His army is ready to go. He doesn't have a large army in Syria. You know, Turkey could, uh, the Turkish army probably could best him in, uh, in, in Syria. Turkey's, the Turkish army is well-trained. It's a NATO army. Um, they're, they're, they're pretty good. They could just okay. overwhelm the Russians. And, and, so what and, happened? To, yeah, you're it could right. trigger there, but Putin's right. ready to go in Europe. That's where he wants to go. Which which we saw. I mean, 
Asymmetrical warfare. We are playing, or they're playing chess. We're playing checkers. Asymmetrical warfare. The trigger, the, the uh, tripwire could be in Syria, which yes. I, I'm stating. But yes. just like Benghazi, for example, we were uh, funneling, and, and I, I believe this, and I think we've made the case for it, funneling weapons and, 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 and people up to Syria via Turkey in, from Libya and Benghazi in particular, which was never our consulate, by the way. But, but that, um, but, but ultimately, that was to, to benefit the uh, fighters against Assad in Syria. Well, where was the strike? It was in Benghazi at the center, uh, but it was over Syria, and the terrorist organizations in Benghazi were proxies of the Russians. So it, it, it kind of like an asymmetrical response to the funding and uh, funneling of weapons to Syria. And that's See, that's what I'm that's, saying, how convoluted this is. Right. And, and, and it really is now, on top of all this, um, what's happened is because of, of Iran and the deal Obama made allowing Iran to build nuclear weapons, and it is, Iran will be able, at the end, will be able to have nuclear weapons. But we, Bill Clinton made the same deal with, with North Korea, and in the middle of the deal they set off a nuclear bomb. So uh, do you think Iran is going to, you know, hold to their end? No, no, they're not going to hold to their end of the bargain. What they did was they wanted to get those $100 billion, $150 billion loosed that we were holding, and they wanted to get the oil on the market So because their economy was collapsing. So what will happen is right now Israel, and this, this again, like a ten, about five years ago, the idea of Israel in league with uh, Saudi Arabia, in league with uh, United Arab Emirates, in league with Kuwait, you know, it would be unthinkable. But because of Obama and what he's done, destabilizing the Middle East, Saudi Arabia is looking for, hey, sooner or later we're going to be in war with the Shiites, with Iran, and we need Israel. So right now Israel is in developing... Uh, it's it's sort of it's it's not bold out in the open, but it's they've acknowledged it. Saudi Arabia's acknowledged it, and Israel's acknowledged it that they're in negotiations uh, for partnership. So if Israel's going to attack Iran, it'll need Saudi Arabian airspace and all. So we can see the whole this whole Middle East is being destabilized, and it's Obama and Hillary Clinton that that did it. And on top of it. Again, this is off the radar screen, but in uh, Yemen, there's a civil war going on between the Shiites and the Sunnis, uh, which is, is south of Saudi Arabia. So north of Saudi Arabia, you've got the uh, the, the war going on with I, between ISIS and, and the Shiites there. And then south of Saudi Arabia, you've got the war going on with the Sunni and the Shiites again. So it's very volatile. Um... I agree with you that Syria could very well be the trigger of World War III, but it won't be the main battle. The main battle will be in uh, Eastern Europe heading west. John, stemming from Syria to the rest of the Middle East, do you see this as just the Middle Eastern regional destabilization, or as you were alluding to earlier with Putin and his eyes on Europe, uh, and Erdogan from Turkey and China sitting off there in the Pacific and and building up you know their their islands, uh, the disputed territories. 
Do you see the destabilization keeping to the Middle Eastern region, or do you see it spreading across the globe, uh, leading into America, the uh, upcoming 2016 elections? Never have we seen such contention with the nominees for president, both Democratic and Republican. And not only that, we have a Republican establishment that is going after its own nominee and, you know, having, you know, uh, people in the GOP coming out and stating they're going to vote for Hillary. You have the George Soros funding uh, people, uh, you know, I'll call them uh, hell raisers because they're not protesters, uh, to go to these Trump events and start this trouble and chaos. You have, you know, $50 million grant to Cleveland through the DHS preparing riot gear for the RNC like they're expecting something terrible to happen. Do you see the destabilization staying to the Middle East, or do you seeing it spread? Oh, I see it spread. Here's what I see happening. Uh, I see um, World War Three, and it's going to be on such a magnitude that people um, are going to think that it's Armageddon, because it will most likely um, start in the Middle East, and certainly it's going to end up in a horrific war involving Israel. Because um, I think there's a civil war coming in Islam uh, between the Shiites and the Sunnis for the control of Islam, and I believe the Sunnis are going to win. Now, it, it it may not, but it doesn't matter. Whoever is going to win is they they all hate Israel, whether they're Shiites or Sunnis. Are they going to form a uh, caliphate in an attempt to destroy Israel and take Jerusalem? That's their dream. They dream this, to destroy Israel, kill all the Jews, and take Jerusalem. Whether you're Sunnis or Shiites, that's what they dream. So there's going to be horrific war in the Middle East. It's going to end up nuclear. I believe Israel is going to use, uh, as a last-ditch effort, they're going to have to use nuclear weapons. Uh, no, uh, all of Islam will be at war. You watch Pakistan and India break out in war. You'll see uh, war in Africa. Wherever Islam is, there's going to be war. This is going to be a general uprising of, uh, of the Muslims. And definitely you're going to see China move. I mean, the, China, as far as, I, as I've been studying, um, there is no way that we could defeat China. There's no way. Um, China, the, the weapons that they have now... China is like a fortress, and yeah. they have the, they have these coastal shore batteries of missiles, short range, medium, long range. They have intercontinental ballistic missiles. They can reach us. Now they have the nuclear submarines. They're lo- loosening their nuclear submarines this this year. They have special missiles that take out our aircraft carriers, super sonic, like four times the speed of sound. Um, can't be detected. They fly five feet over the. Uh, over the ocean, and one shot in the carrier is gone. Um, so uh, China, I believe China is going to win in this war in Asia. Japan's going to fall. The Philippines, all, all of Asia will fall, all of Asia. And that is the China, they're going to be unified under China. And that's from Revelation chapter 9 and 16 about the kings from the east coming with the 200 million man army. That's all going to be triggered from this war. This is this war coming is not Armageddon. Many people think it's going to be Armageddon. The ruler, or, or the the one that rises to the top after this war, 
and uh, brings things under control. There's going, he's going to suggest a one-world economy. He's going to promote a one-world religion because religion caused this previous war and all this havoc. We need a one-world religion. He's going to be viewed as a savior, and he's none other than what the Bible calls the Antichrist. So my belief is that this war is going to destabilize the world, and everything we see, Doug, like uh, the New World Order and all this technology they have in there, and the, they're, they're promoting the one-world religion and the one-world government, this war that's coming will trigger all of that to come to pass. Given the geopolitical environment, the layout of the land, John, and, and folks, John McTernan is our guest, usaprophecies.com, his book, As America Has Done to Israel. Grab a hold of that book, a lot of great information. Okay. Can you see this? I mean, I'm not asking you for a, a, a date and a time, but I, I guess how in your investigative analysis, especially given your, your history and excellent qualities as an investigator and i, I so apologize for for saying uh attorney before <laughs> That's okay. Again, we, were ta- we, were, we were talking about attorneys during the break and I, anyway um do, do you see this taking place given our domestic political situation do you see this taking place before it could, could it take place before the elections of 2016 the the, the big elections or, or wouldn't it matter i, I mean my big concern, and I still have this concern, that Obama is going, something's going to happen where Obama, Obama's going to declare martial law and uh, suspend the election. That's okay, what John, I'm, okay. That's what I'm concerned with. Things are so Man. volatile out there, you know. And uh, uh, he, uh, Do you think, okay, again, uh, given your background and experience, man, i, I got to ask this. i got so many questions. Do you think, because here's what I'm seeing right now, I'm seeing a very unsafe environment for Donald Trump. Now, regardless of what you think of the guy, it, it doesn't matter. But, man, taking him out, I don't know, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be a big deal. They could throw Cruz as they want, or, or whoever, someone else in there. But I, I would see a constitutional crisis forming if they took out Donald Trump, or, or if something happened to Trump. I, I I just, I have a really, I mean, look at what happened with that uh, guy from the UK who uh, was in the country illegally here and uh, was caught with a gun. Or, I'm sorry, caught trying to take a gun from that, that, uh, um, police officer. He had been stalking. He had been stalking Trump. For a year. Man, so so anyway, I I just, I don't know. Do you you see something like this? I mean, could, could this? Be, be a, a a trigger domestically for for you know police action slash martial law. Well, e, 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 well, yeah, we're being destabilized. It's if you look at America before the uh, Civil War, there was no neutral ground. I mean, it was the country was completely polarized, basically over slavery, um, and now I see it the same way. I have nothing in common with what I call a hard left, nothing. Absolutely zero. They're, they're a foreign entity as far as I'm concerned. And they hate and despise us. So it wouldn't take much um, to rip the country right in two. 
for armed, uh, you know, armed, armed civil war. Seriously, I could, you can see it out there. Uh, you, it, it brewing. We have, and you, I'm sure you know the economic situation. This is another delusion. You know, the economic situation is really, it's all built on this house of cards of debt. <laughs> and it, 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 that's what's holding the whole thing together is debt. And who knows, uh, uh, Japan going under, uh, all of a sudden there's a huge crisis in China. It could suck the whole world into a, um, into a um, economic meltdown, and we could end up like Venezuela. So, of course, war. Um, the war could happen tomorrow. There could be something sparked there in Syria like you talked about. I mean, our jets are in the air. The Russian jets are in the air. I believe the French jets are in the air. The British jets are in the air. We're supposed to be bombing uh, Al-Qaeda and arming the rebels while um, Hussein, uh, not Hussein, while uh, Putin is protecting Assad and he's attacking the rebels who we're supporting. And I think he's bombed ISIS too a couple times. So it's it's really a dangerous situation, which they just had that dogfight uh, last week there. So anything could trigger it um, and, destart, and destabilize the country, Doug. Absolutely, John. We got you for about another six minutes or so. Yeah, and John's got his own radio program. Yeah, John, can you tell people where they can hear you, where and when they can hear you? Oh, well, it kind of interferes with you guys. That's okay. So, right. uh, we can take it. Uh, you can take it. It's uh, you can go to usaprophecy.com, my uh, my website, and you'll see the radio show there. Um, you know, you can just click on it. It's from nine to eleven. Um, Sunday through Thursday. And what it is, though, it's not a show like yours here. Uh, it's more prayer. Uh, I, I felt that there was so many people, well, not so many, people wanted to pray, and no one's praying. No, There's no leadership. There's, no, there's so few preachers that are calling their people to pray. So I, it's basically, uh, except for tonight, tonight is uh, music. I, music and testimony time, but uh, basically, uh, especially Monday, Tuesday, and thir- Thursday are prayer. We have two hours of prayer, and incredible answers have ha- uh, have been taken place as we prayed. And my ministry has opened up in uh, India and Pakistan and uh, Kenya, and thousands of Muslims have been coming to the Lord and Hindus, and it's just exciting. And I attribute it to all the prayer that we've been doing. So it's a different show than yours. Uh, and, and you know, people are hungry for that, John. And I'm being very serious. Listeners to this program, if this is what you, if that's what you're looking for, I highly recommend tuning into uh, John McTurnan, uh, his radio program. It doesn't matter. I mean, go. You know, if it interferes with ours, different kind of program. Prayer. People are hungry for that. People are looking for that. Uh, there you go. Yeah, that, so. that's why I did it because people were really asking me, "Would you please start?" Uh, like a radio show, would you start a, so they, we can interact? And I have, you know, I, we have contact with people. People from Pakistan call in, and uh, people from Kenya, India call in. So uh, it's exciting. But God, you see, God is working. If we look in America, there is um, there's uh, a deadness. We see a political deadness. We see uh, just a. I call it spiritual. People are spiritually anesthetized. 
but but there's a hunger for God in uh, India and believe it or not in Pakistan, pockets in Pakistan and in East Africa. So I enjoy working uh, with these pastors. Uh, you don't have to pull teeth with them. They want to pray with you. Uh, I just give you one example, then I want to get back to what we're talking about. I got a, I'm working with a bishop from India. He has 1,500 churches under him. And he called me uh, late last week. It was probably Friday last week. He said, we have a all-night prayer and fasting meeting going on. We have 700 people here. And I want you to... Now, this is over the telephone. And he said, I want you to join us. Please lead us in prayer, and I'll translate it. So here I am <laughs> sitting at my home in Pennsylvania, and I'm praying live with 700 people in India crying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and crying for a move of God and to win souls. So I prayed, and they translated it, and uh, uh, that's the things that are going on in, in my ministry right now. You know, God bless you for, for doing that. Isn't it great, the the Internet being the equalizer, not just the equalizer, I suppose, of, of the of the, the media or against the media, but being able to use the Internet and communications of today uh, to, to reach people in, in every part of the planet that has, well, you know, where you can plug something in, I guess. But well, yeah. It, it's marvelous. Yeah, because, uh, of course, the Internet, it's got all the evil you could think of it on it. I mean, ISIS can go on it and recruit yep. and all. But we're using it for good. And uh, yeah. I'm hooked up live. Every day I'm talking to pastors in Uganda and Tanzania and Kenya, and we're praying in, in India. Uh, so yeah. it it is exciting. It is really exciting. That's fantastic. And, again, John McTernan, his website, usaprophecy.com. Pause unintentional, usaprophecy.com, his book. Folks, grab his book. I, I mean, if you want to read about Israel being, uh, certainly being the, the, the should I say omen? I, I, don't, I don't, God's timepiece, at least. As America Has Done to Israel, his book. Grab a hold of that. It's a best-selling book that connects natural and financial disasters to America with our treatment of God's Israel. I mean, so I just... I also show the blessings in the book, Doug, for... uh, I do show the blessings as we've blessed Israel, that great blessings have come upon America. So the book is balanced. I show blessings and then interfering with God's prophetic plan, what happens. You know, John, I know we only have two minutes of, of your time left, and you've been so gracious with your time tonight, but but let me ask you, for people who will say, no, no, wait a second, wait a second, Israel is kind of, the nation The nation state of Israel today is a creation of the Rothschilds. Now, that, while that might be true, okay, invariably you're going to have anti-Semitism creep in because of that statement. How do you deal with that? For example, that well, that's truly not not God's people, according to the Bible, in you know, uh, in the um, nation state of Israel as it exists today. Technic- technically, you know, I mean, how do you deal with that? I'm not well, sure. Well, first of all, God God made an everlasting covenant with the uh, the Jewish people, and it's uh, He made it with their. You'll see it in Genesis on several occasions. It's over the land. Then you read. The Old Testament, God warned the Jews that if they didn't follow the law, they were going to be driven from the land. That was one of the punishments. But 
same prophet said, I'm gonna, we're going to bring you back into the land. And because of that covenant that God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, I've got Ezekiel 36 open before me right here. And it, it just to paraphrase it, God says that um, I drove you into the nations because of your sin. But because of my holy namesake, I'm going to bring you back. And then I'm going to give you a new heart. So they're coming back in unbelief. It's crystal clear. You go back to Zechariah chapter 12, and it talks about um, the battle over Jerusalem and uh, the war, all the world being drawn into Jerusalem. And then it says, I will pour out my spirit upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplications. And they they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn. For him as one mourns for his only son. They shall be in bitterness for him as one that is bitterness for his firstborn. So everything we see happening out there is to fill God's prophetic plan, fulfill it, where Paul wrote in Romans chapter 11, all Israel shall be saved. So God is working his plan out, his prophetic plan. Right now, salvation is in the church. Um, That's where it is. Jew and Gentile can come to Christ. But the day is coming when he's going to deal with Israel, like he did in the Old Testament. And then Christ is coming and going to set up his millennial reign. So this is all part of God's prophetic plan. Yeah, Israel is in unbelief now, but the Bible says that's the way God's going to bring them back. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And I often, yeah. I mean, the, the armies of the gather, the armies of the world will be gathered together against Jerusalem. <clears throat> And uh, it looks like they will, Israel will have a siege laid upon it, and that's when God steps in and destroys the enemy and shows the people of Israel who their Savior is. Yeah, and they're going to be mourning and crying and in bitterness, realizing they missed the Lord as their Messiah all those years. Mm-hmm. Millennia, two millennia. So, and then God warns in his word regarding Israel, do not interfere with Israel, do not interfere with my prophetic plan for Israel. I lay this all out in the book. And so what does the United States do under George Bush Sr., October 30th, 1991? George Bush Sr. puts the United States right in the middle, like a roadblock, with God's prophetic plan for Israel. Uh, Dividing Jerusalem, creating a Palestinian state. And since that time, horrific. You know, we've had natural disasters in the past. They were few and far between. Uh, starting in, in 1991, it jumped to like three a year, then five a year. Um, and the big disasters are, they, they're gauged at a billion dollars or more destruction. Like, And then uh, one year, was it 2012, 2013? 13 maybe, we had 13 major disasters in one year, and virtually all of them, were, we were doing something to Israel at that time. Some of them I couldn't gauge because there were droughts that were destroying crops and things like that. So uh, we've had a great increase in natural disasters in the last uh, 20, 24 years, and in my book I'm showing how this hurricane hits, and it Arafat Arafat lands in Washington 
to meet and to divide Israel, and a hurricane hits the same day. The stock market crashes the same day. You know, George Bush Jr. is promoting Israel to pull out of Gaza, and Hurricane Katrina hits that very day. And Bill Clinton is pressuring Israel to give up the Golan Heights with Alifa. That was his name, Alifa Hassad. And the um, Northridge earthquake hits that very day. And then the Madrid peace process is moved from Madrid, Spain, to Washington. On that very day, Hurricane Andrew slams into uh, Florida. And then George Bush initiates the Mideast peace process. October 30th, 1991, the perfect storm hits. Uh, while he's making, while he is that day, the very day he's in Madrid with the speech to divide Israel, the perfect storm throws 30-foot waves against his home in Kennebunkport, Maine, and destroys it. He has to come back from Madrid, Spain, to rebuild his home in Kennebunkport, Maine. Um, and these are all same-day events. So I've documented dozens in the book, and then I've got way more than are in the book. Probably have 60 or 70 now. Uh, same day events uh, I call them same day events so God is like warning he's like using nature warning America back off back off he's trying to stop us uh, but most people think well God doesn't judge that's not God no God wouldn't do that God doesn't judge and because of that they they can't they can't see what's happening Amen Mr. McTiernan we want to thank you for your time uh, okay, tonight, yeah, I've got to go and fire insights. up my, uh, my, oh, tonight's a music night. Tonight's the, the music <laughs> night for the show. So I appreciate it. Thank you, and God bless you and all your listeners, and, and let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Indeed. All right, sir. Okay. Thank you, John. God Have bless. a good show. Bye. God bless Folks, you. That, that was John McTernan, of course, his website. Uh, usaprophecy.com the book and I I'm looking at it right here of course as America has done to Israel super read fantastic read now at the top of the hour we're going to we're going to have we're going to be talking about bug out bags what what is yours contain do you have a bug out bag do you carry it around like the nuclear football do you have it by your door yeah have bug spray yeah bug spray right <laughs> now we're going to be talking about that because it's important and I'm going to tell you as we get into the times as we get further down toward the event horizon we better make sure that we you know are prepared and, and of course you know uh, spiritual preparation is is indeed uh, important but we need to prepare uh i i before moving on i, I want to just mention wholetoneslive.com you know i've been hearing from more and more people about wholetoneslive.com and, and uh, of course what I was talking about earlier, I, I, I got a, I got a, I got a letter, a physical letter from somebody in the mail. And I'm not going to use her now. I'm just going to use her for same Lisa. And, and, and listen to this, because this probably states, gives the case for Whole Tones Live more than I could ever do. She writes this. First of all, she says, I want to share with you just what your program has done for me. I've listened to you guys for several years now. I love Pastor Langford and Steve Quayle and other guests. But a few months ago, you had Michael Turrell on your program from Whole Tones. Well, let me tell you what happened. I pulled up some samples at work. Now, understand, I teach a special education. And the ones the ones I, I have 
they do not have a very bad disability in reading math. Most of all, they have behavior issues. Okay? This is what she writes to us. She's got uh, sixth and seventh graders. And she writes, in the evening, I just have the boys. Wow. That's <laughs> her. Wow. Not mine. Well, she writes, I started playing the open door where th- that music from Whole Tones, where I, cho- uh, where I had chaos before. Nothing now but calmness and peace. Even the students remarked on how peaceful my room is now. So I ordered the package and I downloaded it at home and at school. Students that wanted to fight each other or were just plain lazy, guess what? Those behaviors simply vanished. Now this is from a special ed teacher, special education teacher. It's a real letter. Here it is. So Whole Tones Live, folks, wholetoneslive.com. If you if you have been feeling overwhelmed, like life is running you instead of you having control over your life, if you're having trouble sleeping, if you're suffering from whatever malady you might be suffering from mentally, mental fatigue, man, that's a big one. Or if you, if you need motivation, go to wholetoneslive.com. That's wholetoneslive.com. This is a, well, music is the universal language of mankind. And Michael Terrell is the, as the uh, Lisa from who sent this letter about whole tones had said, uh, I mean, m- music affects behavior. But but the the thing about wholetoneslive.com is you can download different you you can purchase the packages, download different uh, uh, frequencies, and and these are frequencies and 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 music assemblies, creations by Michael Terrell. Who, who created whole tones for discovered and created whole tones using the the Bible, the music of King David. This is all biblically sound, but it, it, it's just so important that we infuse our lives with 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 everything possible to help us, to calm us, or or to motivate us, or whatever the need might be. Well, here's your answer: wholetoneslive.com. Now we play it here at our studios. We play it in our offices. And it does. It, it 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 increases creativity. It depending on the the selection we have, it might calm us if we're if we're disturbed. But it works. And I know my wife uses it to assist her sleeping, falling asleep, and it works. And our studio dog loves it too. It does affect animals too. You know what? If you've got a great a good experience with Whole Tones Live, go ahead and let us know. Or even better, let Michael Terrell know and let him know where you heard it. Heard about WholeTonesLive.com. But folks, go to WholeTonesLive.com right now, today, tonight. That's WholeTonesLive.com. Download a free sample and then go ahead and order your package. That's WholeTonesLive.com. W-H-O-L-E TonesLive.com. Again, W-H-O-L-E as in whole wholetoneslive.com and we want to thank Michael Terrell for being a, a previous guest in our program and really explaining his product to us because man it, it works and not only does it work it um, 
It's been a blessing to us. That's WholeTonesLive.com. We've got a few minutes before the top of the hour break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the owner of American Survival Wholesale, Chance, to talk about Bug Out Back. Yeah. I want to hit a quick article before we... I just want to... I really want to just say how important these these training sessions are to me. I I have a checklist, in fact, at the ready. So when he comes on, I'm going to make sure. And, folks, grab a pen and paper. Let's use this as a, a learning session uh, to make sure that we've got the proper stuff in, it, in our bug out bags, and it's so easy to forget. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, just want to hit this uh, one piece. What do you think of when you think of basic uh, health service? What do you think? A checkup, bandages, uh, yeah, care. You know, um, for diseases, sicknesses, illnesses. Um, I don't know. We, we, Obama administration forces California churches to pay for abortions. What? Churches in California are officially subject to an erroneous state regulation that requires them to pay for abortions thanks to a ruling by the Obama administration. The troubling situation began in 2014 when the California Department of Managed Health Care reclassified abortion as a basic health service mm. under the Affordable Care Act and ordered all insurance plans in the state to begin covering surgical abortions immediately. Even churches are not exempt from funding abortions. Last how, October, how is that possible? Last October, the churches filed a lawsuit, uh, and it has been moving through the courts. They also asked the Obama administration to uphold the Weldon Amendment, federal law that protects conscious rights. But today, the HHS Office of Civil Rights released the results of its investigation into the California abortion mandate, stating it found no violation, and it's closing its investigation of the complaints without further action. Interesting. We can talk about more about this after chance goes. Wow. But I just want people to know that the Obama administration is forcing California churches to pay for abortions, obviously through tax money. Right. But they're also, uh, I mean, it's a pretty in-detail article. Um bottom line is Congress must not let this stand. Uh, this must be taken out of the uh, hands of the Obama administration and the courts and given to the lawmakers to uphold the law as it is written in the Declaration of Independence and Constitution of the United States where life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are the top tier uh, above all. They come before anything. Mm. And life is first. We need, we need the, um, I got an email from someone personally, actually, from Steve saying, you know, uh, I say man up to, to the Christians and he took me to task. Of course, he, it's interesting how people send emails. Um, if, if they don't like this show, then don't listen to it. I don't, I don't, I don't quite get it, but all of his emails have been pretty antagonistic and he says, you know, why don't you ever talk about, uh, uh, things like, uh, Things like the, the Idaho situation. The reason I bring that up is because we did talk about it long before he sent that email. Uh, but uh, so much to talk. Well, I guess there's just so much to talk Listen about. Listen to this. Fisherman captures 3,000-pound great white shark in Great Lakes. <laughs> How does that happen? We'll get Times are right changing, there. folks. Global Star Radio Network.
You never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour of this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are going to be joined by uh, Chance, owner of American Survival Wholesale. American Survival Wholesale dot com. American Survival Wholesale is the company. He's going to come on and talk about uh, preparation tips, bug out bags, and all you need to know about survival tips. As he's been joining our program uh, as a sponsor and partner of the show. Uh, coming on to to teach us about the products he sells and and how to best use them, and just a quick correction I need to make. Apparently, the three thousand pound shark story was so good, but so untrue. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, you caught that the out Lake there. Erie part. Well, you throw that out there, <laughs> and how many people believe that though? See, that's the interesting part of this. How many people really would say, okay, now, do you realize that, that 75% of the people, I think uh, uh, this statistic was, was given to us, they, 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 they retweet uh, or re, uh, they send Facebook messages out without even reading it. But, but see, the this is how, and I'll just say this, this is how these, these urban legends really take root and, and they redirect things. But you know... Um, yeah, just don't fall for that. Do your own research. You're smarter than that. Go ahead. With that, we're going to bring on Chance, owner of AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. Chance, it's great to have you back on the show. Blessings. Doug, Joe, Todd, Eric, J.D., Rhonda, everybody who makes this show possible. Greetings from hot and humid Texas, where if your blood sugar is high, you might just melt. <laughs> It'd be a sweet puddle, wouldn't it? So listen, uh, we are going to talk about bug out bags tonight. They're very important. We're going to talk about why you need one, uh, individual needs, sides of bags, and items that a lot of folks don't even consider putting in them. But first, I have um, a special prayer uh, that was written by our good friend, John Robertson of Hollywood. And I'd like to read that tonight. 
along with a special prayer for a few folks that are close to us as well. May I uh, may I do that? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Lord God, tonight we come before you acknowledging that in this late hour the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Tonight we pray, O Lord, for the discernment of your Holy Spirit that will strengthen and guide us to not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone into the world. Lord, among this remnant of your obedient children, I pray, Father, for daily, even hourly reminders that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Place upon every willing servant, man, woman, and child, the whole armor of your omnipotence, I pray. Proverbs warns us, Father, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So it is in this time of great national danger that we trust your word and we take heed. The heart of man plans his way, but it is you, Lord, who orders our steps. Father, I pray that tonight's show would rain down conviction on every listener to believe the words of our Savior. Lord, I pray special protection over the defenseless, that surely you will deliver them from the snare of the fowler and from deadly pestilence. For our men and women in arms and far from home tonight, gird their hearts, knowing even though they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that they will fear no evil. For you are with them, your rod and your staff, they comfort them. You have prepared a table before them in the presence of their enemies. Father, we pray for those that are hurting tonight. God of mercy, may we all pray and remember that what we do unto the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner, Jesus said, truly I say to you as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. We all agree in the name of your Son, sacrifice for our sins, including the sin of fearfulness. We all agree, Lord, that to everyone who is afraid in this 11th hour, 59th minute, Lord, faith is the substance of all things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And by that faith, Lord, may we never forget that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And now for a personal prayer. Father, we pray for our brother Todd and his uh, family. We pray for brother Joe here and his family. Father, we pray for brother Leonard, who told us today, Father, that he gave away his last Bible, which happened to be his personal Bible that he's had for years, to someone that needed it more than him. Father, we pray that we can only just every day just just take the time to share the word of God with another soul and to be so like Leonard unselfish in everything that we do in the mighty name of Jesus who signed it in blood sealed it with his stripes and delivered it by his resurrection to your righteous hand amen Amen. 
Okay, guys, so uh, we're going to break down this conversation and training into three parts. Uh, the first part is going to be based on individual needs, and that's very important. Uh, everyone that uh, will put together a bug-out bag has, you know, their own needs, whether that be medical, uh, the size of their family, et cetera. Uh, part two is going to be the size of bags, and that's going to be de determined by the distance that you're going to travel, whether that be by car, bike, or on foot. And the third part of this conversation is going to talk about items that most folks don't consider putting into a bug-out bag. So if everyone would please get a pen and paper, take some notes. At the end of this training, we will be giving away something special, something very cool. Uh, with every order placed uh, over $60 now through Sunday at midnight. So part one is individual needs. Not all bags, guys, are created equal. For example, a 20-year-old male in his prime can carry more weight, of course, than a 70-year-old man with a bad knee. The older we get, the more pills and elixirs we have to pack. That same 21-year-old can carry a 70-pound pack for five miles while the 70-year-old would prefer a rolling duffel in which the load is transferred to the wheels so that he's carrying only about seven pounds. In either case, the items inside will vary to some degree. The size and type of your bug-out bag is determined by your family size. And understand that children over eight years old in your family that are bugging out with you should carry their own bag. That's just that much less that you have to pack and that valuable real estate. Part two of this is the distance to be traveled. Distance meaning time from point A to point B, and then add an additional 25% to that number to account for unforeseen issues that might deter from that planned route. And on that note, those routes are very important. Have a planned route, stay off of all of your major highways, and then have two backups. So have three separate routes, one primary and two backup. And practice these routes on a regular basis. Involve all of your family members. Make it fun. Each member must have a task and should memorize all the routes. Another good suggestion is that you have two-ray radios uh, in case someone gets lost or there's an emergency. Part three. And, and you know what, Chance, this is extremely important. I, I just want to, to, just to tell people really quick here, um, make sure, as Chance said, you have a bug out bag for, for each person, especially the, the younger children, or the children, um, who can carry their own bag. But also, and I just want to throw this in there, don't forget about your pets. If you have got a dog, like Lady, Lady, our studio dog, has her own little bug out bag. Yes. Go on. Go on, Chance. No, that's great. That's great. Well, listen, I want to talk about um, some of the items that they suggest that you put in a bug-out bag. So we'll, we're going to go to uh, femacamp.org.gov. Oh, Freudian slip. FEMA.gov. And I'm going to read off what they suggest, and then I'm going to make some suggestions that a lot of people don't consider. FEMACamp.gov recommends... Uh, one gallon of water per person per day for at least three days for drinking and sanitation. Food, at least a three-day supply of non-perishable food. A battery-powered or hand-crank radio with a NOAA weather band and tone alert. Extra batteries for both. We're in agreement there. 
flashlight and extra batteries, a first aid kit, a whistle to signal for help, dust mask, moist towelettes, garbage bags, and plastic ties for personal sanitation, a wrench or pliers to turn off utilities, a can opener, local maps, your prescription medications and glasses. That's very important, by the way. I want to stop there. If you do wear reading glasses or you need them for a, a long vision, I mean, uh, for distance, take it, grab another pair of glasses. Uh, if you're bugging out, you never know, it, it would probably come in handy. So grab another pair of glasses and pack those as well. If you have babies, um, pack extra extra instant or infant formula and diapers. Uh, as Doug was saying, pet food. Pet food and extra water for your pet, a priority if you're bugging out. Important family documents, such as copies of insurance policies, identification, and bank account records in a waterproof, portable container. As a matter of fact, folks, I would say that you would want to copy your driver's license, your passport, and anything that's important, uh, make a separate copy and pack that as well, just having that on your person. Um, any emergency reference materials such as uh, first aid or um, emergency numbers, make sure you have that. A sleeping bag, a warm blanket for each person. Uh, consider additional bedding depending on your climate. A complete change of clothing, including a long sleeve shirt, long pants, and sturdy shoes. And consider additional clothing if you live in a cold weather climate. Now, I also want to stop there. That real estate in your bug out bag is very important. Many of you have seen these vacuum seal bags. You, you basically put your clothes inside or towels or blankets. You put your vacuum cleaner onto the nozzle and uh, it sucks all the air out. Very wise, very smart to do as many items in your bug out bag that way because it compacts them and keeps them dry. If it's pouring outside, the last thing that you want is to put on a wet shirt and a, a pair of wet pants and a pair of wet socks. So consider doing that as well. Uh, make sure that you have a little bit of household chlorine bleach uh, and a medicine dropper. Uh, make sure that you have a uh, small fire extinguisher in your vehicle. Uh, matches in a waterproof container. If um, you are of the, uh, if you're a female, fem feminine supplies and personal hygiene items. Um, a good cook kit, mess kit, paper cups, plates, plastic utensils, paper towels. A paper and pencil, very important. And if you have children, please make sure you bring books, games, puzzles, or other activities. So these are just some of the items that uh, FEMA list, but we want to go a step beyond that. I would like to see folks also carry uh, 2,400 calorie emergency food bars, and I'll tell you why. They're compact. They're only six inches long, an inch thick and they will feed you for an entire day. You just break off a block. Every block is one meal, 400 calories. I'd like to see everyone have some type of a magnesium fire starter. If you've been listening to this show, you've already got a free one that we sent to you. Uh, wooden matches, same thing. I'd like to see everyone have a lighter, and the best type of lighter to have is going to be the fireplace lighter, or they call them uh, aim and flame. Have one of those on hand. Bungee cords, very, very important. Uh, a tube tent, which is an emergency tent. I hope you guys are writing this down. Very important to have a tube tent in case you get into some inclement weather. 
Um, I'd like to see you have your own hygiene supplies, uh, your dental kit, your toothbrush, toothpaste, razors, a uh, good sewing kit. Um, I'd like to see you have sunblock, uh, insect repellent, folding shovel, uh, hand sanitizer. If you like coffee, bring your coffee. Uh, so some ground coffee and some filters. Uh, playing cards, very important. Uh, the flashlight that uh, FEMA listed earlier, it should be one that does not require batteries like a hand crank flashlight, um, a machete, a compass, a multi-tool. Uh, all this can fit in a standard backpack approximately 36 to 38 inches high if it's packed well, taking some of the advice that I've given you tonight. You guys have any questions? Well, you know what, Chance, I was going to say, how big is your bag? Okay. Uh, kiddingly, of course. But you're right. Um, the things you mentioned, and, and portions are important, too. I mean, you, you and this is something I, I was really impressed with that you did at American Survival Wholesale, is, is you um, portion things out correctly, at least in my view, and, and you know what, folks? You can go to Walmart and take your list and, and or, or a, a store of, of your choosing. Man, what a hassle that is, okay, to create this bug-out bag. And American Survival Wholesale has them. Yeah, but, but let me back up here. How many bug-out bags? I mean, should you have one ready to go, you know, by your bedside or by your front door or whatever, and then one in the one in your car? Uh, one at the office. Uh, what do you recommend? I mean, so depending on the size of your family, everyone again, every adult should have their own bug out bag, and every uh, person should have a bug out bag located in their vehicle as well. So if you have children over six years to eight years of age, they should have their own bug out bag. They should be trained to, in an emergency, grab that bag, throw it on their pack. The great thing about having a a backpack is it keeps your hands free to grab your children or anything else that might be important, like a weapon. Um, you should have one in your car, and you should have one by the front door, absolutely. All right. Yeah, it, it's important to me because, um, and the the thing that you mentioned, too, the tube tent, can you explain what that is? Because somebody had told me, well, you need a tube tent. And first of all, I don't know what it is, number one. Number two, I said, I have got no intention of using it, and the person said to me, well, that's exactly why you should have it. A tube tent, think of um, think of a triangle, okay? So a tube tent is like a tarp, but it is ready to throw over. It's got a rope attached where you can go from one tree to another tree. It's got two sides and a bottom, so it will keep you, like a regular tent, it will keep you dry and warm throughout the night. Gotcha. You know, yeah, okay. And people say, well, you know, I don't plan on camping out. Well, you just don't know if your car quits or if you if you can't get from point A to point B. You might be, you might be, and you can't stay in your car for whatever reason. You might be having to, to find a couple of trees. I get that. All right. It, it actually folds. It folds to about the size of an 8 by 11 sheet of paper, and that's what's amazing about it. It's packable. Versus a uh, you know a regular tent that is two to three pounds and it would take up valuable real estate in your backpack. 
Exactly. Yeah. And, and I've seen those. And uh, yeah. And now, now, okay. So what what do we do here? Do you have the the bags that you described? You got them. We do. Uh, the kit that um, I just described, and it goes on. Trust me, it goes on. There's probably another 20 items that I didn't even uh, bring up that are in that kit because they're not imperative. They're not uh, a must-have, but I tell you, they sure are nice to have if you need them. Um, that is going to be our super our seven-day super pack. So it provides enough food, water, and supplies for seven days. Seven days. It's an amazing pack. It weighs about 65 pounds. Uh, it's very well built. It's uh, camouflage in nature. Uh, it's made by one of the uh, best backpack companies out there. It's amazing. Sounds great. All right. Yeah, I, I am a believer of of having uh, a bag that's with me pretty much at all times. And I don't mean that I carry around, you know, but I have one in the vehicle, uh, one in my student, in my office slash studio, and one in my home. So, I mean, that's just me because you just never know. And well, make sure. The documents that you mentioned, and, and I really want to drive this point home. What, what I do, and, and, I, and I, I am so careful about this. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, to me, my uh, uh, money, for example, in the bank, uh, what, I want to make sure that I don't lose what little I have. So what I do every month uh, sometimes twice a month is print out a statement to that day, just for that month, a bank statement, and, and then replace it in the bag. Uh, and I always have a, a, a front and back of my driver's license and other identifying documents in that in, in the bags, plural. But the um, the proof that you have money in the bank even today, especially today, I should say, is so important. What we Trust call a that. hard copy. Yeah, That's we right. call that a hard copy. Very, very wise. Yep. Because I can't afford wise. to lose anything. And, and, you know, most people can't. So, yeah. Absolutely. Very good. Well, so listen, I have one more thing I'd like to add. Uh, folks, Doug and I had a uh, discussion today. So what we'd like to do uh, tonight, this was the bonus, we would like to support the Hagmans uh, in this way. For anyone that purchases... $60 worth of product. It doesn't matter if it's a bug-out bag or if it's uh, freeze-dried food or a stun gun or a baton or a flashlight. $60 worth of product. We are going to send you one of my favorite items on Doug's website. It is a 20-ounce weapon. I mean, 20-ounce ceramic cup that says <laughs> Hagman Hagman logoed merchandise. This thing probably, what does that thing weigh, Doug? Probably two pounds? Oh, I don't know, but I certainly wouldn't want to get hit in the head with it. Here, here it is for those watching. Um, it, it's it's heavy. It, it, you know, it's, to tell you the truth, I threw in, kind of tossed one from a foot away into my sink the other day, and I broke a glass cup and another mug. Not the Hagman. This Hagman. survived. It did okay. survive. Yeah, and so it's made in the USA. I, I made sure of this. It's battle uh, battle hardened and battle tested. Thank you, Chance. Six sixty dollar purchase, free mug. You can't beat that. Not with a stick or a pop-up tent. Or the we are going to do this, bag. guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do this, guys, now. 
tonight through uh, Sunday at midnight. So anyone who purchases from American Travel Hotel is going to receive one of these great cups, one of these great mugs. And uh, listen, I just want to thank you guys so much for having me on. It's truly a blessing, and I'm blessed by the experience. Oh, thank you, Chance, and and thanks for th- th- thank you so much for your special um, your special deal. How great is that? Chance from AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com, folks. Between now and Sunday, sixty dollars. Any purchase over sixty dollars, get one of these. Get one of these. It's a weapon. Have your your wife hit you hit you over the head with this. Oh, ow! All right. Well, thanks, Chance. God bless, man. Appreciate it. God bless you, bro. All right. Now, see, uh, the pocket bags, okay, it's so important uh, to me. Um, w- you know, and again, w- we do these segments because people say, well, you, you, you say things are bad and you, you provide uh, you know, information about problems, but no solutions. Well, there's a very specific solution right there. What do you have in your pocket bag? Now, again, the items are going to differ according to your needs. And uh, by the way, I, I take Ted's vitamins, and I, I, I've done this. I... I what I try to do is I try to rotate this like once every six, I don't know, six months. Um, I, I take the uh, vacuum sealer because if you're a prepper, you got to have a vacuum sealer, at least, you know. And I take uh, uh, a week's worth of vitamins. I put them in a, in, a, in a bag, and I seal the bag and put it in the bug-out bag. So I've got a week's worth of, of my nutritional supplements from Health Masters in that, in in, in the... Um, um, the uh, the shrink wrap bags, whatever you call them, I can't remember. But anyway, and, and I'll tell you something. And, and um, talking about taking up little space, and as Chance said, everything that you can shrink wrap, go ahead and shrink wrap, because it takes a lot of. I mean, it, it saves a lot of space. So, very important stuff going on. Yeah, and in this last half hour, we're going to hit some news. Um, this on the top of my list immigration boss who barred feds from terror suspect up for award but yep. agency won't say why a u.s immigration official blamed in a federal report for barring law enforcement agents from a suspect in the san bernardino terror attacks has been nominated for a prestigious agency award but her bosses in washington refused to say why or what she did to earn her to earn the consideration Irene Martin heads the San Bernardino U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service Office, where, last December, she allegedly blocked five five armed Department of Homeland Security agents from the man authorities say supplied the firepower in the deadly attack a day earlier. Although an inspector general's report found that she acted improperly and then lied to investigators, FoxNews.com has learned that she has been nominated for the Secretary's Award for Valor. To give Irene Martin an award for valor is insulting to all the prior awardees, the agent and officers who truly displayed valor and risked their lives to save someone else, said Jessica Vonman, a director of policy studies for the Center of Immigration Studies, a Washington-based research institute. The Department of Homeland Security officials declined to say what Martin did to merit consideration for the award, which is described as the highest departmental recognition for extraordinary acts of valor by an employee or group, according, I'm sorry, occurring while on or off duty, and is reserved for those who have demonstrated extraordinary courage and a high 
highly dangerous, life-threatening situation or emergency under extreme stress involving a specific act of valor, such as saving another person's life or property. Well, there you have it. Okay. I, I mean, is this, this is a stunning uh, t- turn of events, um, even according to Martin Superior's uh because this, uh, what happened here was, uh, the nomination for Martin's superiors right. was stunning to staff members because it was announced just days after a June 1st Department, uh, Inspector General report found Martin improperly hindered the work of five armed DHS agents on site just 24 hours after the attack. Now think about this. You have five armed Department of Homeland Security officers. 24 hours after a mass terror attack where a suspect you're holding is directly involved you fend off the DHS uh, officials from getting control of this man and you get an award you protect him from well I don't know if it was protecting uh, but what was her place in all this? Why, why was she doing this? Was there an order that came from the higher-ups that told her, do not let this man out of your sight? Do not turn him over to the Department of Homeland Security? The DHS agents were sent to the building to arrest Marquez, who was the man who supplied the guns for the San Bernardino attack. But he wasn't arrested from the DHS. He was eventually arrested and is being held on charges of supplying the guns as well as marriage fraud. Martin also lied to the Inspector General's investigators, according to a June 6 report, about her role in what has been characterized as a turf battle. Lying to federal investigators is a felony and can result in in dismissal and criminal charges. But the story here is, immigration boss who barred feds from terror suspect up for award. But the agency is hush-hush on as to why. Well, it's and, clear why. Uh, I mean, it, it's clear you, you, you engage in treasonous acti- activity. And, and let's be clear what this woman did, all right? This woman, okay, the, she stopped the Homeland Security, which, okay, say what you will, but investigators from detaining the San Bernardino suspect, okay, an inspector general's report was released, found that the day after the San Bernardino sh- shootings, Homeland Security investigations agents were prevented from entering an, an ICE office to possibly detain a suspect related to the terror attack. Now, that should alone should be enough, okay, and at the epicenter of this, that woman, all right, so, but then she gets an award, and we're talking, of course, about Irene Martin, so she gets an award for that. Um, she was, by the way, she was not I, curious to this. When you start digging and pulling the layers off, she was not mentioned. She was not. Uh, she was not identified in the AG's report or the OIG report. I'm sorry, she was not mentioned by name in the OIG report. Now, how does that happen? The Office of the Inspector General, which is the oversight investigative agency in this. So she was protecting a potential terror suspect, not by omission 
of her actions, but by commission, intentionally. And and, and th- there you have it, getting this award. Absolutely. So, um, moving on back to the Orlando shooting, there is new information, and this is either disinformation or uh, this is adding to the narrative of what led to the massacre in the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida. Omar Martin's alleged male lover says he did it for revenge. Hmm. The alleged male lover of Orlando nightclub gunman Omar Martin claims he did the shooting as revenge against Latino men. The man spoke to Univision on the condition of anonymity, said Martin held a grudge against Latino men he met at the gay club Pulse because he felt used by them. It goes on uh, to quote the man. It says, I've cried like you have no idea, but the thing that makes me want to tell the truth is that he didn't do it for the terrorism. In my opinion, he did it for the revenge. The man who said he was Mateen's lover for two months told Univision. How convenient. You know, uh, folks, I, I think, and, and, and Joe, I think when we look at, at Orlando, I, I truly believe what we're looking at here is there, there was, obviously, we can verify that there was... Um, an extraordinary amount of surveillance that took place prior to the attack by the perpetrator, by this one individual identified as Omar Mateen. We we can verify that. We know there are things that we know and things that we suspect, but we do know uh, uh, target surveillance. It's number one. <clears throat> number two, I, I think it could be said with a great deal of certainty that Omar Mateen was more than likely. Uh, a misogynist and uh, had homosexual tendencies. If you look at the exchange between his father and him, and, and some of the things that that were uh, that, that were have been reported, I do suspect that Mateen was in fact engaged in homosexual activities, and that that created a conflict in in his in his mind. But without regard to any of that, my my concern here with respect to Orlando is not necessarily what happened before, although that's important because you've got the FBI three different times zeroing in on Mateen. As well as the gun uh, store that yes, called sir. the FBI because of suspicious behavior. Yep. Disney yep. found him scouting out the uh, park and lo- uh, contacted authorities as well. Right. They were posting yep. to social networks. There was other people who came forward and even this man says he claimed he called authorities well okay the uh, the alleged ex-lover of Mateen but, but but here is the true issue and John McTernan had mentioned this early on what we have and, and I was as I was walking my dog early this morning I, I do this every, every morning like really early and uh, I was trying to in my mind have you done this Really uh, engaged in critical analysis. If if I wanted, if, if I was the, if I was a globalist, and I had some level of power, let's say you are one. We you've got to criminalize speech to the extent where you, you're not going to be able to criticize Islam, but equally important, you're not going to be able to preach the word of God on public airwaves. All right. 
The second thing is they want to go after the, the globalists. If you're a globalist, you want to disarm the American public. At least show, go through the motions to disarm the American public. Maybe you're not going to... Look, there's how many times the number of people are there guns? Are you going to be successful in disarming the entirety of the American public? No. But you've got to have a majority of people behind you in, in an initiative like that. So you have to demonize guns. So, but when I was taking a walk, I was I was really asking myself and trying to figure this out. You've got a Muslim, an alleged. I'll, I'll just just go with me here. All of this is alleged. You've got an alleged Muslim perpetrator going into surveilling and working with the FBI previous and going into the Pulse nightclub, shooting it up, creating a hundred. Uh, Casualties, 50, 49, whatever, 48, fatally, and the rest injured, different degrees. A Muslim perpetrator using a, a semi-automatic rifle and a handgun going into a homosexual nightclub. How, if you were a globalist planning this out, how would that help the cause of taking away guns and of eradicating hate speech against Islam and elevating Christianity. How would that... What's the game plan here? And it occurred to me that obviously the globalists can't control everything and certainly there are, there are events that are going to take place whether known or unknown to the, the planners that happen. This one I believe got away from them. But I also think in, in terms of, in, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, we, we would really have preferred a white guy, NRA member, Christian, with a Bible and a Constitution in his you know, jacket pocket, going in doing this. That's what we. That's our preference. Now, as it happened, you had Omar Mateen going in there, who as the words coming out here had support we know that both before and after and perhaps during the attack what's the larger objective here and and here's what I came to, to, to suspect I do believe that that um, the end game objective here with respect to this shooting if they couldn't necessarily control the event as much as they wanted to, they're going to control the narrative, what comes out. I believe that there, there's enough, there's sufficient control over the release of information, the information coming out. They're, they're tamping down the information coming out and uh, uh, throttling a lot of it. But by creating the environment of hate. It's important. You've got to create this conflict between the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Christianity, and the God of Islam. You see, they're pushing the right-wing pastors, Christians, or the, 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 the far... Um, there's a, a number of, of Christian pastors out there calling for, well, homosexuality is a sin, needs to be, I mean, 
people they need to be killed they deserve to be dead whatever they're taking that element that right wing Christian element which is just such a minutia of Christianity pairing that up with the guns and excising the Islamic component out of this as we've seen with the Department of Justice you see to me that that's a big deal with what Joe talked about earlier this week and we talked about about Lynch redacting Islam from the from the transcripts of the 911 call that was kind of a, an oops moment glimpse of what, what was taking place so I was thinking look this they're not perfect they can't control all of the outcomes but they can spin it as as much as they can but what really got me today did you know there was a sit-in on the mm-hmm. House floor? Yeah, there were... Um, Bring back the 60s. Four, Bring it back. Yeah, were there four uh, different measures brought up on gun control? Well, <coughs> House Democrats staged a sit-down protest. They just sat down, seeking a vote on gun control measures and citing what happened in Orlando. This goes back to Orlando, and it's all about guns. Larson of Connecticut, John Larson, uh, had stated to, to one one news agency that lawmakers are calling for the simple dignity of a vote uh, in the House on measures to block gun purchases by some suspected terrorists. That's no, there, my uh, entry, sir. More than eighty lawmakers are still occupying the House in protest. That was as of show time, show start time today, and this stage sit-in. They, they, uh, they are you demanding know uh, Paul Ryan to allow a vote on gun control measures led by John Lewis, a Democrat from Georgia, a civil rights icon who marched with Rev- Reverend Martin Luther King. See how the civil rights and gun rights are being merged into one thing. And they're saying that more than 80 lawmakers sat down on the floor in the well and in the front of the chamber, refusing to leave until they get a vote. We have turned deaf ears to the blood of the innocent and to the deaths in our nation, Lewis said. Mr. Speaker, where is the heart of this body? Where is our soul? How many more mothers and how many more fathers have to share tears of grief before they decide to do anything, he asked. Well, did you guys hear about in Canada the mass stabbing that happened? Where no. I went into a medical hmm. facility with a knife and stabbed 20-some people? No, you didn't hear about that. You don't hear about the mass stabbings in Europe either as guns are banned but there was the Paris attack oh and the Brussels attack where guns are banned also but somehow the terrorists managed to get the guns into the problem and we said this since the gun control debate has been raging on and we'll continue to say it there has been murder since the beginning of time Cain and Abel you can take all the guns all the knives and swords away there will continue to be murder as long as there is hate in this world. Yeah, of course. You're, you're not reducing the guns is a smokescreen with respect to violence. I mean, you're, you're look at Chicago, look at D.C. Some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country, gun violence or, or shootings are going to are going to take place. But regardless of that. The bigger picture here, and, and I see, and I say this with all sincerity. What really came to me today 
was and when I was trying to work this out in my mind about how uh, how the um, the homosexuals would, would react uh, the homosexual community would react to the shooting itself as it applies to Islam they are they are listening to the narrative being reshaped and reformed the official story being reshaped and reformed and min- that's minimizing Islam in this Lynch got caught and Lynch the DOJ does not do anything without White House approval without White House direction she got caught trying to change the the uh, transcripts taking references to to al-Baghdadi out of it taking references to Allah out of it uh, replacing references of Allah right. with God right and, and so what 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 I thought in in my simple and but still functioning investigative mind we weren't looking big enough we're not looking big enough to see that the big picture here what the big picture here is the big picture and and it's coming um the big picture here is to criminalize any type of speech against islam but using um and, and again how can you possibly do that using uh orlando as an excuse uh or or using um you're considering the fact that uh yeah i mean using orlando as an excuse what sense does that make if a muslim goes in and shoots up a a homosexual nightclub to me what sense would this make well by by exploiting the, the exploiting the the differences of the religions and uh, and looking at it from force, a gun perspective the guy had no background um aside from the fbi uh you know being called right. about a thousand times as this man prepared to carry out his act of violence he was a uh, uh Worked for a company that got contracts from the government. Right. He cleared background checks while purchasing firearms. He, I mean, even with the strictest background checks for firearm standards, he would have been able to acquire them legally. Well, <laughs> and these are some of the issues. I mean, that's, that's in particular one of the issues the House members today were, were yelling about. So they've got to change with respect to the guns now. There's like five different issues concurrently churning at the, at the same time. That is one issue right now with respect to, well, he could purchase the guns legally because he wasn't, um, he wasn't, he does not have a criminal record. No, however, he was under, or he was uh, obviously the target of three separate or two separate, perhaps three, uh, FBI investigations where he was suspected of terrorism. Now, when you've got a Muslim suspected of terrorist activities and the subject of an FBI investigation, are you telling me, as well as calls beforehand by the gun right. uh, store owner, by Disney, uh, by people, the social media posts, I mean, everything they say to do, all the warning signs were there, all the warnings were given. That's right. The only thing that they they didn't do, <clears throat> the authorities, was their job. If the authorities did their job, this would have never happened. You can't, can't blame an inanimate object, right, for something. Uh, it's just ridiculous. I mean, well, it, it's beyond that. It, it's I, I think I think it's 
exquisite if you are a globalist. Now, you going back to the incident, I, I do think that, that uh, this one got away from them. I think there are some certain things you can't control. I don't believe, for example, although there was surveillance performed in the past of this particular homosexual nightclub, I don't believe that that was the sole target. And I know it wasn't. Okay, that was... So I think there were variables that could not be controlled or contained. But why a Muslim, for example, in this country? Why not? Uh, If this was, in fact, a globalist initiative, why not the... Why not a a white guy from the South, Confederate flag on his pickup truck with a... You know, with the Bible and Constitution in his pocket and the CCW, um, and and go in under the same circumstances. Why not? Why not that? Because there are things I believe too that the globals cannot control. But I do believe, being the fact that this guy was on the radar of the FBI, um, yeah, I, I I think that they had lost control of that. But the more importantly, I think Joe is what they're doing right now, and folks, what they're doing right now is. They're trying to contain and mitigate the damage created by the the damage created to to, to Islam, and we saw that with Lynch and and of course what what she did at the direction of Obama. And you notice how Obama got so angry um, at Trump over this. That to me tells tells me of all the times well, you've seen Obama anger angry before, but I've never seen this level of anger. Have you? I mean, in all the times you looked at Obama when he was reacting to, to certain issues, and this this one here really got to him, and I think that shows a lack of control on his part. Because when people get angry, what do they get angry about? They get frustrated. It's frustration, or it's angry because they cannot control the outcome, or they lose control of a situation. And, and to to um, as to, to mitigate, I think that they they uh, they attempted to expunge. Islam and Allah from the the transcript, and there's going to be more of that. But more importantly, moving moving on the side, there's going to be more of these shootings because they need to come after our guns. And as I said earlier, I truly believe that um, one way they they could possibly pull off when I say they, I'm talking about the people in power in the shadows. They could possibly pull off a a a, 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 a tremendous, literally coup a word I use often here in this country is by messing with Trump, his candidacy, taking him out in the style of RFK. And, and I pray that that never happens. But, how? I mean, can you imagine? Or even on the other side of, of, the, of the coin, what would happen if Hillary, something happened to Hillary, let's say her cough turned into, you know, something really bad and she's like, she flops over dead. I mean, what happens at that point? Who would be their candidate? So I think that the time between the conventions and the election are going to, it's going to be a critical time, especially in John McTiernan talked about with respect of the um, um, well, the, the world events, the geo, geopolitics of everything. Could this happen? Could something happen geopolitically over in Syria? Of course, it, of course it could. But we're this is crunch time right now. So uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. That's our, kind of my commentary on things. Now, now maybe you might think, well, what did he just say about Orlando? Because it didn't make much sense to me. 
What I'm saying is that there's multiple agendas here at play, multiple people. Sometimes you can't control one uh, part of the, the team, but you can control other parts. But at the end of the day, when you lose, you certainly can, or or if it ends, if the game ends on a tie or whatever, you can certainly control the, the outcome, what comes out through the media, or even rewrite it a little bit as they did with TWA Flight 800. That was a perfect example. And we're seeing some of the same stuff happen today. And by the way, how did you like that uh, in-studio guest with uh, Jack Cashel yesterday? Was that, was that great or what? Yeah, that was awesome. Um, not to take away from that, oh, there's one more story I want to close out with. Um, this is very interesting. Fukushima nuclear disaster derails California commercial crab fishing. Just a few months ago, back in November of last year, the entire state of California placed an indefinite ban on crab fishing, ultimately putting their entire commercial crab season on hold in the process due to what state officials claim as dangerously high levels of algae toxins in the bodies of crabs. Mm-hmm. Now that goes on to say crab is an important part of California's culture and economy. I did not make this decision lately, a Mr. Bonham, the Fish Wildlife Agency director, said in a statement. Reportedly, they are placing the ban to protect the health of their people, but unfortunately, it turns out the explanation the state gave is not really the truth after news broke out uh, that the ban was passed because of the radioactivity stemming from the 2011 Fukushima nuclear disaster, which they were really trying to protect uh, the health, so to speak, of the California seafood industry. It goes on to say, ever since the massive earthquake and the eruption at the nuclear power plant in Japan, uh, mul- having multiple meltdowns, huge amounts of contaminated radioactive materials made their way into the ocean, eventually into North America's west coast. California state officials are concerned that if people learned that marine life in their area have been de- damaged beyond repair, it could eventually kill the California fishing industry. So they came up with this excuse to give it time to try to clean it up a bit in hope that the Californians will not notice what they are actually putting on their dinner tables is radioactive seafood. In an interview with uh, 98 point, uh, 95.1 FM out of New York, a group of insiders from the California Fish and Game Commission said the radio- radiation in the West Coast is so high that state officials knew it would cause immediate sickness for anybody who ate the seafood caught in the area. Folks, we're going to be talking about this more as the uh, days progress as we are out of time tonight. But tomorrow, Dr. Ted, Ted Brewer will be with us for the whole show. And Friday, Steve Quayle. Sig Swanstrom. Oh, you're not going to want to miss that. The biblical, uh, defending your family through the biblical perspective right. on Friday. I want to thank John McTiernan for joining us tonight, as well as Chance with American Survival Wholesale. Don't forget, you get your free Hagman and Hagman coffee mug with a purchase of $60 or more at American Survival Wholesale. Until tomorrow. This is the Global Star Radio Network.